If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This week in PlayStation, we're talking about our third annual PS I Love You XOXO PlayStation Awards. The best trophy list, the best open world, the most underrated game. We'll have all this and more because this is PS I Love You XOXO. Welcome to the show, everybody. That's Blessing. That's Janet. I'm Greg, and you can get this show on Patreon.com slash KindaFunny. Over on Patreon.com slash KindaFunny, you can get it ad-free. You can get to watch it as we record it live. And, of course, you can get 38 episodes of bonus-exclusive content. If you have no bucks to toss our way, it's no big deal. Support us on the Epic Game Store, Fortnite, Rocket League, or Fall Guys with the creator code KindaFunny on your PlayStation or any platform you play on. Uh, you can write in for free to be part of the show at kindoffunny.com slash P-S-I-L-Y. And, of course, you can get P-S-I-L-Y. That's PlayStation. P-S. Get it? PlayStation. P-S. P.S. I love you, XOXO. Oh, is the that button. what that stands yeah, for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you can get P.S. I love you, oh, XOXO, for free each and every week on YouTube.com slash Games, And, of course, on podcast services around the globe. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Delaney Twining, 1UP Pest Control, Gwinnett, uh, Brian Cheney, Alex Greedel, Jason L., Mick, at Dananobiologist Abramson, uh, Derek Gregg, Donald Eccles, and Jason L. Today we're brought to you by Shady Rays, Rocket Money, and Factor, Let's start with a PSN message from you. Janet, blessing. You both look amazing. You look amazing. Thank you. you no, you do. Oh, you it's do. The blue suit, it's blue suit cuts, you know? That's what oh, it's yeah. all about. Now, is your suit coat new? I haven't seen this one before on you. Uh, it's not new. I, it's new. It's new-ish. I got it at the beginning of the year. Okay. Uh, this is the one I wore to my friend uh, Rihanna and Danny Pena's wedding. I've heard of them. Uh, yeah. Nice. You might have heard of them online. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's what I got this suit for. Um, and funny enough, yeah, you hit us up this morning. You're like, yo, let's dress up for the show today. And Classic I just Greg move sleepily only messaged you. Thought I was on the PS I Love You mm. channel. Only messaged you. Sorry about the late notice, Janet. And I, I thought it's I was being cheeky by rocking the blue. Yeah. But then I come here and I'm like, Ooh. oh, shit. No, Greg's on it, too. The blue boys. That's what it's all about. Now, Janet, tell me about your ensemble. Who are you wearing? Um, I am wearing a black formal dress that I've owned for a number of years, um, but I haven't worn often enough to hate. So we're in a decent oh. spot um, for the show, you know, the fine line. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what I originally bought this for. Um, I can't remember what the occasion was because I've had it in my closet for so long. But fair enough, fair uh, enough. I'm gonna need to. I'm gonna need to go shopping for the next. Like if we're gonna be doing this every year, you know, with like the get up and then let, let alone the PS uh, Vita birthday too. I had to go back to that episode, make yeah. sure that I hadn't worn this already for that. So might need to go shopping for future um, formal episodes, which now, happen surprisingly often. Of course, if you're one of the dedicated trogs right now on patreon.com slash kind of funny watching us record this show live you're living in the reality of the moment you're there it's tuesday hello however everybody else might be watching this on friday when we're posting this we're of course recording early because we're all going to the game awards so the question i have even though this is now a time capsule is 
None of the none of these outfits are game awards outfits, are they? No. Okay. Yeah, me neither. I could never. I, I would. I would. I would just you wouldn't be caught dead on PS. I love you on <laughs> Friday, and the same thing you were on Thursday. That's yeah. the that's the conflict I came across uh, this morning trying to figure out my outfit. Sure. Because you know I wanted to come correct, but also I didn't want to overlap anything. Right. I had some shirts. I had a couple of shirts that I had bought for the game awards, and I still. You know, I'm still back and forth between which one I'm going to wear, or if I'm going to wear both. Am I going to have an outfit wow. change? Wow. Right. Um, and so when I looked. Are you going to have time to do an outfit and, change? Oh, I'll find time, Bear. Game awards uh, are long. You can definitely. It is a long day. Back. There's mixers beforehand, and then the actual show, and then there's a thing after the show. Uh, and so somewhere in there, I'd, pretty, I'd fit an outfit change. But um, I was looking at one of the shirts, and right. I was like, "Ooh, I could rock this one." But I wasn't sure. feeling. Uh, I like. I, did, I didn't want to spoil my my game awards fit. Sure. And so I, I ended up uh, pulling out this shirt, which, funny enough, this is a shirt that I bought um, for the Disney Marvel game showcase. Oh, this was my nice. original plan for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, for that, they asked me, they're like, hey, can you come up with like three different outfits that you can send to us and figure, and we'll like figure out which one to sure. wear, right? Based on like, you know, what outfit isn't going to cause meringue in the video? Like, you know, what outfit f feels like it fits the tone we're like, trying no to go zipper. for? We can't have a zipper. And so, like, I got this shirt and I was like, oh, certainly this is the winner. Like, mm -hmm. certainly there's not, because I got this and I was like, you know what? I'll just in case I'll bust out like a sweater and maybe I'll use, my, like, I'll bust out my corduroy jacket that I've owned for a couple years at this point. Uh, and I present them with these outfits, thinking that for sure this, uh, this uh, shirt with the, this button up shirt with the zipper. As the pocket, right? I was like, oh, man, that's the cool one. I'm, sh I'm sure they'll want to go for that one. And they're like, no, <laughs> give us the sweater. And I was like, oh, all they, right. They want to play it safe more than style, which you got to respect. You know, it's Disney. You know, you yeah. got to come proper. I forget the exact wording they use, but it was like... It was like casual... Like smart casual, I think, was the was the wording. Mm. And this was a bit too casual... Or too um, formal. Too smart. Yeah, too smart. I've been there. Don't worry about it. Uh, we turn to a PSN message from you. Of course, you can write in to be part of the show to give us the thought starters we need and the commentary we will have later for the awards. Uh, we asked for a commentary for something to jump off of for the PSN message. And Tan Skater 81301 wrote in and said, Do you believe that the best games are story based or gameplay based? Janet Garcia. If I have to only pick one, you I'm going to have to say gameplay sure. um, just because I think holistically video games are the best at gameplay and kind of I, I think there are plenty of games that i can think of that have great gameplay and don't have much in the way of story sure. for the most part other than like narrative specific games like their narrative in terms of genre like a walking simulator like life is strange there aren't a lot of games that have a great story and the gameplay is bad and even in a game like life is strange i know there's the the classic you know, comments of, oh, it barely has gameplay. But I would actually argue the gameplay in, you know, True Colors is really good because sure. it's not just about, you know, walking from point A to point B. It's about the interactivity. It's about the ways that they sort of reconstruct the settings to subvert your expectations of what you'd encounter in a walking sim. Like, there are so many ways to, I think, play even within that genre. And again, to utilize gameplay to tell the story. Um, at the end of the day, games is such an active medium that I think gameplay takes precedent because that's what helps you also connect with the story for the most part. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. I've definitely watched cutscenes of games on YouTube of stories that I love. So definitely gaming has the capacity for excellent storytelling. But I think that storytelling is still ultimately going to be enhanced and reliant on the gameplay to a certain degree. Blessing, Adeoye Jr., do you believe that the best games are story-based or gameplay-based? Uh, I concur with Janet. Uh, I got to go gameplay. Thank you, Doctor. Uh, I think, <laughs> I think um, a lot of this comes from uh, the, when I look at the games I love, right? Usually it is the, the games that are more action-heavy, the games that are more like, you know, I love fighting games. I love platformers. I love 
you know, stuff that lets you get involved, right? And I think for me, that comes first and foremost before before I get the story. And I'd even argue that, like, when it comes to story in video games, the best stories shine when the video game mechanics reinforce the the story and reinforce the narrative. Sure. Uh, you know, Janet brings up Life Strange True Colors. An example I'll bring up is something like Gone Home, sure. where, you know, Gone Home, you, I think historically people, people online have made fun of Walking Sims for the idea that, oh, there's no gameplay here. All it is is walking around and, like, reading things, right? But I think a very good Walking Sim or a game like Gone Home or everybody, everybody's gone to the rapture, you know, a well-constructed one of those has fun gameplay because the gameplay is explore. Yeah, exactly. You're exploring the space. You are picking up these things. It is the design of the house or the the space that you're in, right? Like how does how does the design facilitate you uh, through like looking through these different notes or through these different rooms and picking up these different things? So then intake a story, right? I think any uh, like, near Automata is another one I'd point to in terms of hey, like this game is structured so that you're getting the story from different angles and different perspectives, right? For me, all my favorite video game stories start with gameplay that then delivers that story to you and so i gotta go with gameplay yeah i mean it's for me tan skater a perfect game of yeah you have to say uh it's gameplay if it was i always talk about being you know so into story and that's what drive me drives me to play games or want to experience those kind of games but if it was just the story and that's all i wanted i would read a book i would watch a movie i would play more visual novels right that are just making choices making dialogue things and going through uh it is a video game and that comes down to gameplay and wanting to experience a world and get lost in however you want to get lost in whether it is just a fighting game and the mechanics are super deep whether it is an rpg where you're building your character or whether it is a walking sim where you're just walking around exploring it right like for gone home having such a special place in my heart and being such a story video game right it is exploring the green briar residence it is trying to piece together what's going on it is that wait am i about to get possessed is there a ghost i'm fighting as well no you know there's so much to it that's more than just a story i think if it was just a story i would you know play these visual novels people put out all the time the vita and everybody would be happy yeah and i think i I, really quick i want to come in as the as the contrarian since y'all are pretty uh pretty uh uh, one for one on this um i play video games for stories i i I love video games for the storytelling medium Mm -hmm. uh so for me personally i i do think the the answer to the question does have to come down to what you're looking for in video games and uh for me like you guys even bring up of like good gameplay can enhance or you know back up the um, kind of idea of a story and and for me that's uh, kind of all wrapped in one um, and so for me that's that's what I look for is uh, the stories in video games because it's such a unique way to tell stories so yeah but you're not picking story over gameplay or are you I am I, okay th- 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 that's that's what I play video games for, you know. See, I play video games for the story too, but again, like if it was just this is a great story, but it's just text on the screen, which a lot of games have been. Yeah, that's not my jam. I want to play it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I think I I, I think video games it yeah it, it becomes an interesting question because video games I think can have unique stories compared to any other medium, right? Like they have a, there's a unique way for for video games to tell a story. Uh, like one of the things I think of is like the growth of playing any RPG and starting from the bottom, right? Of being like, maybe starting as nobody, maybe starting as just a regular person or whatever it is, right? And by the time you get 50, 100 hours in, it is, oh, I am this character who might have, you might have grown in terms of your, you know, your power and ability, but at the same time, you're growing with characters and at the same time, right? Like the, the way in which video games, I think, take you through a journey sure. compared to movies and TVs, obviously different mediums. I don't think there's, 
I don't think there is one medium that tells stories better than another medium. Um, but I think video games have this unique ability to tell a story in a very specific way because it is you taking that role, right? Like, I don't know if The Last of Us Part Two would hit like The Last of Us Part Two hits if you weren't the one, the one that was uh, action. Yeah, that, you crafting know, your stuff. that was crafting the stuff and also like, you know, taking protecting out Ellie, yeah. protecting Ellie, like taking out these enemies, like she, like taking out Abby's people, right? And then having to make that shift of now you're playing as Abby and now you're forced to literally being be in her shoes, right? Like that is a thing that only video games can do. Uh, and, and, you know, movies and TVs can try to do st uh, two stuff like that. But I even imagine that by the time we get the last was uh, TV show, if we get a last is part two season, I think they're going to have to find ways to uh, own that story for that medium in a way that is different from how the video game did it. Because I think the last is part two video game does it in a, in a way only the video game can. And the patreon.com slash kind of funny live chat snug slacks also referred to Simes as plug snacks. Uh, what's a game you love with a good story, but terrible gameplay. And that's such a hard question. I'm trying to th rack my brain of what's a, a game that I was like, this is atrocious, but I like what I, I like this. Oh, I like what I'm um, hearing. There, there's a game called, I feel like I'm going to butcher the name and I want to Google it. I think it's called three fourths home. Um, I'll have to double check. It was, I played it on switch and it was a game where you're driving home and the gameplay sucked because yes, do you know this game? I, I, yep, I remember this. Yeah, it's black yeah, and white. Yep, it's black and white. Three fourths home. Is this the one with the tornado and like you're talking to your mom yes. on the phone? Yeah, I played yes. it. Why do you know this? When did this come out? Because it's us, Janet. It's you and me. We share one mind and one thing. Somebody's like, hey, there's a great story based game for you. We're both going to play. And we're like, all right, cool. I want to do this. Uh, I think I, I March, played this before I met you. I March 2015. March 2015. Yeah, yeah. We were the well, same person before we out, met, but... Janet. It's okay. Um, yeah, so that game has a great story, but horrible gameplay because one of the gameplay components, and I don't remember all of them, was that you had to like hold the analog stick to drive left to right to progress the text in the screen, which is inherently a bad idea, but then it just ends up like all you're doing is holding to the right, and that sucked. But the story was awesome. Only one I can think of off the top of my head. The Witcher 3. It does exist. Oh, get out of here. It's the same thing with the chat. Snug Slacks goes, oh yeah, The Order is a good example. No, it's not. The Order's gameplay wasn't terrible. It, that's what we're talking about. It's yeah. terrible. It was not terrible. And I can name so many games the opposite way, right? Like games that have a terrible... Oh, that are fun to play? So a terrible easier. story that are like, fun to play. Yeah. yeah, like Sonic Frontiers is an example of a game where... Outriders. <laughs> Outriders, yeah. You know, Jakob. <laughs> In a weird one, not terrible gameplay, but I would say um, poor presentation where you're not playing the game a lot. Persona 4 Arena Ultimax. Okay. That story was like uh, very like text-based. A lot of, yeah, just like uh, cut scenes with... Uh, anime characters on still backgrounds and stuff. And I, I see, feel like in the 10 hours of that, right. I was probably only in fighting game gameplay, right. For see, maybe an hour as full. a, as somebody who plays games for stories as well. I, I think the gameplay has to be there for it to do this, but I think it's an interesting question, right? Because Gary Gutierrez says in the chat, patreon.com slash kind of funny, they both need each other. And I don't think gameplay needs story. I think story needs gameplay in a video game. I agree with that. Because, again, I love stories. That's why I play it. And I've definitely played games that are fun to control or whatever, but I'm like, oh, I don't like the genre or, or I don't feel compelled to keep going. I understand why people are in love with this, but it's not me. And I'll walk away from that gameplay-focused game. But I, I've never had it. I don't think the inverse where it's like, I'm so into this story that I'm playing this game that I fucking hate the gameplay of. Like, that just doesn't. I mean, that was three-fourths home, but also I was on an airplane when I was playing My it. thing with three-fourths so home is I remember it just being unremarkable. I don't remember hating it. I, like, yeah, again, I remember it being a tornado thing and, like, you were driving. Maybe you have a higher tolerance for bad gameplay than I do. I probably do. I probably do. Jimmy. I mean, I finished it. Like, I finished the game, so I don't know. Interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, 
let us know in the comments of the video on YouTube. What do you think? Are you a story person or a gameplay person? Because we can't stay here all day. This was just a thought starter. It's time for topic of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, if you can believe it, it is time for the third annual PS I Love You XOXO PlayStation Awards. Blessing, explain our award show to the audience. Uh, Greg, me, you, and Janet, uh, we have a handful of categories that we talk about, and we, I was gonna say argue, but we don't, we don't argue, right? We bring our own picks, uh, to talk about, uh, the best of the best PlayStation games of the year, right? And we have a specific set of categories that are very specific toward PlayStation, right? It isn't, what is the best game of the year? It isn't, what is best story? Let it isn't, the games cast deal with that shit. Yeah, let the us. games cast deal with it. Let the game awards predictions and all the other, the award shows out there deal with it. Uh, on PSW, we do it the PSW way, which is... We PlayStationize these categories, right? And so we are talking about what's the most underrated PlayStation game. We're talking about what is the best PlayStation studio, right? What are, or the best studio that's, that put out a game on PlayStation, right? We're talking about uh, what is the best PlayStation trophy. Already list. pulling your punches so you can get whatever you want in your <laughs> studio pick, aren't you? <laughs> is it? I mean, you know, we can get there. When we, we can talk about when we get there. But I just assume best studio. You know, we're talking hey, about. Man, well, this is the time of year. Because like only back. two PlayStation studios put this out. So we just this kick year. back. We hang out. We usually drink doing it. We, we guys. It, is it too late to get a drink? I could go check the fridge. Yeah, what, what well, we, we can send Cool Greg across to make cocktails or whatever. That's true. Janet, I mean, send Isaiah. Oh, Isaiah, I see you in the chat. Go get Janet a drink. <laughs> we, have more, we have more shows to record later in the day. I it's GamesCast. Are you trying to hop in, walk on a GamesCast? What are you going to do? Hold on. I'm going to ask Cool Greg. Oh, my Game Wars and prediction. You oh, man. Come here. Hey, you know, it's Game Wars <laughs> prediction. The Rock trips off stage. Tim will be <laughs> <Is> that right, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> is The Rock confirmed to be a Game Wars tomorrow? I don't know. Flash yesterday? I think this is me hoping. Okay. Well, oh, Game Awards happened yesterday, technically, for this episode. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 man, isn't it wild that like it was crazy? Yeah. While we're talking about the future, remember, yeah. of course, Jedi we have, Survivor. How was that, man? After yeah. we have this episode, <laughs> we have one more before the end of the year and before our break, and it will be looking ahead at PlayStation 2023. So, kindoffunny.com/slash/psily with what you want to see out of 2023 when it comes to PlayStation. But enough about the future. We're still talking about the past, and we're gonna kick off. The third annual PS I Love You XOXO PlayStation Awards with the most underrated PlayStation game of 2022. Of course, these are things that came to PlayStation. They do not need to be exclusive. That does not need to be the requirement. We're here to talk, to celebrate, and to mourn in some examples. <laughs> Janet, what did you pick? For most underrated, I have Escape Academy. Um, I love Escape Academy. It's just a fun time. And I think the puzzles are genuinely really compelling. I think they do a lot of fun things with, you know, I know later on we're going to talk about trophies. I think the trophy list on that one's also very fun. Most of them are just integrated with what you're already doing. Um, it has uh, oh split God, screen as an option, channel. which is super convenient. Um, yeah, I just had a really great time with this. I think that you do some great things with, like, hint systems as well. And I know, like, bless, that was a complaint that you had when it launched. It was, like, too easy to hit the button for the hint, and they, like, yeah. updated and patched that. So I think they just had a really cool creative take on also just have putting you into different sets of escape rooms by having this construction of oh you're at a school for escape artists you know it's a, a little silly a little cheesy in in certain parts but i think the puzzles were just super cool and i think they really helped utilize the medium where they talk about like designing stuff in real life and how games allows allow them to do like wild stuff that you couldn't do like you can't risk drowning people in like an actual escape room but here you can kind of do whatever you want um super playful really interesting um i love this one also just like a favorite co-op thing so if you haven't tried it i think give it a swing because i i had a blast with escape academy and so did isaiah um i know dlc dropped for it like a month or two ago i yeah. see you get to but uh yeah escape academy is my pick 
It's a great pick, Janet. It was on my short list for sure when I got to this because, yeah, I adored Escape Academy. We reviewed it here uh, earlier in the year. And, yeah, it did such a great job of making you feel like you were in a real escape room. But also not gamifying it to a degree that would be annoying, if that makes sense. I hate it when it's, you're playing something and the clock's ticking down and it expires and it's like, whatever. There's a clock here, obviously. There, you know, and there was a, a few times where, yeah, I, I think one or two where I ran out of time on it. But I didn't feel that pressure. I felt the uh, you know objective of exploring on my own, figuring out what I wanted. And it was always hard enough. I think what I described in the review, right, was the idea that it was meant to be solved. Like, yes, these are puzzles. Yes, they're meant to challenge you, but they're meant to be solved. They're not meant to drive you completely insane as you try to figure out what it was. And they got so creative with what you were looking for, what you needed to do, like, how to turn this on to get that screen to work and all that jazz. We had a great time with it, I know. Yeah, yeah. when we played at Summer Game Fest uh, for the first time, I think both me and you were like, oh, snap, this is actually going to be a, a really fun game when it comes out, and it turned out to be a really fun game. And it's one that I think was for sure a great uh, follow-up for my time with Operation Tango the year before, where like that last year, that was Same. my Escape Academy, where I was like, oh, this game is actually really fun, and it's really fun like sit here and like struggle with a co-op partner and figure out like how we're going to solve this puzzle yeah and you know my only critiques for escape academy were the things that i think operation tangle did that um were better for an online play right where it is hey you aren't seeing your co-op partner screen right they are describing to you the things that they're seeing versus the things that you're seeing and you have to work work together in that way um and then also yeah things like the hint system where it is oh man I'm, i accidentally press square because i'm stuck and now i'm pressing buttons and like oh man now i got the hint now i'm gonna bring down a, 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 our grade uh things like that i i, I I thought they could do better, and they updated it over time. And now that game is uh, kind of the game that I was I was asking for when I was playing it at launch. And the the fact that they have DLC, the fact that they're adding in more more challenges. Yeah, I, I want to get get in and try that stuff out. Um, and yeah, like I'm right there with you that I think I think more people should have been talking about Escape Academy because it was a very fun game. Yeah, I think that's the, kind of the mo for the year in a lot of way ways, right? That they're I felt more than ever there were a lot of underrated games or games that flew under the radar or games individual worlds were passionate about but never saw the widespread acclaim never i, I mean how, we talked about escape academy so much and it's not a game that i really saw the needle get moved in our community of people rushing out to play it or really get a part of it and i understand that you know your dollars can only go so far and there's only so much time in the day and yada 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 but it was such a great year for games that inevitably stuff was going to get kicked to the wayside which is why this category is so important plus what'd you pick uh, i'm picking tinykin no, here we go. Game. Yeah. Uh, it's one that, you know, I, I first saw this game when Shuhei Yoshida tweeted about it in like the month, the, the month they came out, right? Yeah. The weeks leading up to it. And Classic I was like, shoe. Classic shoe, right? Putting me on the games. Uh, I think I saw this. He did the same thing with Sh with Chicory, and I was like, "What is this game that Sh 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 Shu Shu is out? really great at do, do, being the ambassador to indies, like we, yeah. we've been trying about." Like, he has a really good eye for games, uh, and so yeah, when uh, it came out, right, more people played it and were like, "Oh snap, this is pretty cool." And then eventually, I got to it like a month later, and I understood what people were, were talking about because you know, starting it off <clears throat> playing it, I immediately was taken taken away by the art style of it. It is a very cute looking game. It is a very awesome art style. The way they mix the two D character designs with this. 3D world and have it having it be this Pikmin like thing of you are this space explorer and like the tiny space explorer that is exploring this you know foreign world that is just a, per a person's house right and each room is a different level and you are interacting with these groups of bugs and like they are essentially their own civilizations I thought it was a very cute and cool premise uh, but then the gameplay 
for me as somebody who hasn't played much Pikmin, right? It's what I imagine Pikmin is similar to. <laughs> You're like, I imagine this is what Pikmin is. I imagine is. this is what Pikmin is like. Even though I've talked to people that have played Pikmin, they're like, actually, it's kind of different. Um, like, but this is not what I imagined. Yeah. Sorry, I can't. Um, but it is the thing of you're collecting all these different, like, you know, these little guys, these little, I guess I'll just call them little alien creatures. Just call them Pikmin. It's fun. Your little, little kin, um, and they're different colors, and each of them have these different abilities. And the more you collect, the more you're able to... to traverse and do different things right like you have one like uh, one color of tinykin that uh if you throw them at a thing they'll explode right you have another color that you can stack up and then you can climb them like like a rope um and those mechanics i thought were really well developed really well fleshed out and really fun to actually use in practice um the Again, the visuals really good. The uh, the level design remind me of some of the platformers I love from back in the day, right? And the way that uh, last year with Psychonauts two, I remember folks being like, "Yo, this is you liked uh, Banjo, you liked Donkey Kong, you should play this game, right?" And sadly, that didn't work enough for me. But with this game, it is that exact thing of, "Oh, I like I like Donkey Kong sixty four. I like the N sixty four era of, of platformers." And Tinykin for me really embodied the that spirit of gameplay where it is go go through collect a bunch of shit and like get lost in this level and the more you play the more the more you play a level the more you're like oh man all right i know exactly where i need to go right kind of like it's kind of like untangling like just a, a, a like a pile of like knots right where it's just sure. really satisfying of like oh man i'm going through and i'm just you know unraveling this level as it goes and i i know exactly where i need to take this thing it's a very satisfying uh, game to play and so shout out to tinykin my most underrated P- playstation game of 2022 yeah, the progression is just so natural in that game. Like I, you know, to your point, it's totally true that you can get, you know, a thing or something can open up and you'll know exactly where to go next if you're mm-hmm. like really paying attention. But it's also the kind of game where you don't have to like think about anything. You can just naturally roam and explore and stuff will just start opening up. Um, it's like inadvertently knocking over really satisfying sets of dominoes and then watching them topple over. Um, to your Pikmin comparison, it, it is like Pikmin. I don't know anyone who's like, it's, <laughs> the, only, the, the only difference is it doesn't have time constraints, which is actually some people's biggest complaint about Pikmin. I can kind of take it either way, but where there is that stress of needing to do things in a certain amount of time and then your pikmin can die and stuff like that like this doesn't have any of that um it also makes i think a lot of really smart decisions in the way of traversal like you're such a small character in a large well it's a normal sized room but like it's large to you um by giving you stuff like the little soap bar that you can skate on at any time so it it makes it just so easy to get around there's also a lot of strategic like zip wires um set in place uh so i think they just really lean into this is a fun playroom to explore. Like, if you like that um, that kids' room level in It Takes Two, minus, like, the traumatic murder scene, <laughs> this is, like, totally going to be your jam. Um, I still haven't finished this yet. I'm very jealous that you finished it. Like, after oh, I was like, oh, you should play time. this, and then you beat it. I hate when people lap me on my own wrecks, but I, I love this game, and this is such a smart pull for underrated because I totally agree. Like, the people that like it like it, but it's the kind of game that I think so many people didn't get to, and it's, like, one of my favorites of the year. Yeah, it's definitely on my holiday break radar in terms of how much it's got talked up by you, blessed by you, Barrett. Like, it's one of the ones that's loaded on the PlayStation, ready to go uh, to see what the fuss is about. Um, for my underrated game here to round out this category for us before we turn it over to you, the audience, I put Moss Book 2. Oh. And this is underrated and underplayed by even myself. You know, obviously, if you listen to PS I Love You this uh, year, we've talked about our excitement for PlayStation VR 2, but also the domination of the Quest and how it's made us incredibly unexcited to play our PlayStation VR 1. So I adored Moss Book 1 when that dropped, had a great time with it. You know, we did a whole bunch of coverage and stuff with it. They got a PlayStation VR show when we were doing that show. And then I just feel like this Moss Book 2 
missed the mark in terms of release strategy where I wish they could have, and I know there's a million other things going on, but it should have, I would have thought, waited to been a PlayStation VR 2 game, launch with that. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, obviously, if they do some kind of PlayStation VR 2 skew when it does drop. And then it also came to Quest later, and that's where I've actually played more of it. Um, I have not beaten it. I am, I am still hold, holding out hope for my PlayStation VR 2 version of it and have something to play there when I, that drops that I really want to get into. But Moss and Moss Book 2 continue to be such a dynamite use of VR in the way that you are this ghost character. If you're watching the show right now, uh, you get basically, you know, these diorama levels where Quill the mouse runs around, you control the combat, and then you can use your ghost-like powers to move things and blocks to get uh, Quill places to run, places to walk, places to platform. But every one of those levels is still so expertly handcrafted, so gorgeous to sit in there like I always talk about. It's all, in, especially now on Quest, uh, something I didn't get on PlayStation VR due to the way it tracked, right? To play it on Quest 2, it is that idea of getting in there and like looking left, looking right, walking in a little bit to look around, to really explore the level as yourself to then guide Quill to whatever it is you're trying to collect. Like Moss Book 2, again, I have not finished it, so I can't like give you a rating or whatever, but it seems to have that same magic and whimsy of Moss Book 1. And I feel like Moss Book 1 got a lot of flowers, got a lot of praise, got a lot of love, because at that time we were super hyped on VR. If I remember correctly... That was a E3 announcement from PlayStation's showcase when they were still doing it that they announced book one. And it was like a big deal that they did it and it had a lot of support when it came out. But you know, you wait a few years and PlayStation VR and VR in general has moved in such a different direction that this really was a game that came out and has struggled to get any fanfare. And that really, I think, sucks for Polyarch because they clearly, you know, still are killing it with this game, let alone the performances. Again, like this is a series that opens in the public library with you reading a big book. And as you go into it, there's a narrator telling you Quill's story, and that narrator does all the voices for it. So it's like your mom's reading you a bedtime story that you then go play, which, of course, for me is a recipe for me to be like, yes, I love this game. Yeah, <laughs> it makes me like... Uh Kind of can't wait for uh, PSVR two to get here, yeah. For to maybe be a reason why I actually finally get it, give it a go, yeah. Because yeah, I think you're absolutely right about the release timing of it. Of me, me personally, right, not just being in a space where I'm like, oh, a VR game, let me give it a go, right? I can't remember the last time where, I'll, oh, we got the cocktails. Oh, here we got our cocktails <laughs> to choose from, everybody. Welcome to the PS. I love you, XO. Oh so Lord. cool, Greg, Kevin. What do we? What did you guys bring us here? Oh my god, they brought options. Oh, this is scary. We have oh, a Jolly Rancher. Jolly okay. Rancher. If you didn't know, there's a liquor store by the office that sells cocktails. They put it all together in these little plastic Ziploc bags oh that you can then mix over ice. So wait, what did we got? So, so we got we got Jolly Ranchers. We got Destroyer. Someone scratched out the bad part. <laughs> AMF. And then what's the, I wonder. Uh, is it called the Lemon Clouds? Okay. Which I'm like scared to say out loud because half of these are usually like some. Cool G's got Hennessy. What's he got over there? Hennessy and apple juice, the cool red classic. Okay, cool. And then I think this is, yeah, there's another Jolly Rancher. Okay. What are you going with? What are you feeling? I mean, I'm a I'm a Jolly Rancher dude. Okay. For life. Okay. Okay. What goes into your Jolly Rancher cocktail there? <laughs> oh man, this is gonna make people's Texas explode. Uh, it's the it's Mike's Hard Lemonade, or oh, Mike's Hard Cranberry Lemonade. Okay. Um, we got. What is this? Sweetened sour schnapps, watermelon <laughs> schnapps, schnapps. Um, we got <laughs> Bacardi Limon. Okay. And then we got Tangare. Tangare, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we got That's some That's a gin. lot. Yeah. That's why you get, they, <laughs> they give you the cup of ice when you leave, so you can then put it right immediately on dice. I've decided I'm going to go with Lemon Clouds. 
Okay. I like a good lemonade. What do I got here? So I got Calypso, strawberry lemonade. Oh, it's like that character. From the hit TV show starring Anthony Mackie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got two Smirnoff pink lemonade mini bottles. And then what do I got here? Oh, the hypnotic liqueur. Thank you, Hell Cool yeah. Reg. Thanks, man. We mix all this over ice. Anyway, I can't wait for Moss uh, <laughs> maybe play it on PlayStation VR 2. <laughs> oh, my either. God. It's got to be there, right? That B- Moss Book 2 has got to be there. I mean, now that we know there's no backwards compatibility, who knows? I mean, but you figure if it's already got... My, th- my fear on all of it, right, if you've got a Quest 2 version of it, yeah. you're going to be able to port that over and put out a new SKU. Janet's going off to get her cocktail. What is she doing? Janet's taking everything, taking off her headphones, moved her thing around. She's up to something. I don't like it when I don't know what she's up to, you know? Uh, is she getting oh something? Oh my gosh, she's just bringing out something that, like, straight up alcohol. Do you have alcohol in your closet? That's what you do, yeah. Janet? I appreciate that. I have alcohol in my closet. Yeah, right as I um, ordered him you know, to go I don't, make... I don't want- I don't want Bruce to get into like the liquor cabinet. You know what I mean? Sure, that well, makes Isaiah sense. gave me some cranberry juice, but I didn't have anything in it because I have like my alcohol here. Yeah, so I, I, I was wondering. It. Isaiah in the live chat did say he had to jump on a work call, so I wasn't sure. So now you're. Just, so what's your cocktail you're making, Janet? Um, just a vodka cranberry because I have cranberry juice and I have vodka. I don't drink a lot of liquor generally. I'm more of a beer person, but yeah. we have a bunch left over from. Uh, my sister-in-law's birthday. Shout out to Maggie. Happy birthday. Maggie! You don't watch the show, but you'll see this one day. Um, but she was like, I want cocktails for my birthday. And I was like, cool. I'm like, I don't want to fucking make cocktails. <laughs> so I looked up like a bunch of like easy cocktails and like I had a, I just got a couple of different mixers and stuff. Um, and this is just some of the stuff we have left. So I guess I just have to eye it because I don't have it. I don't have a thing. You're fine. You got this. Don't worry. There you go. <laughs> Vodka cran out of the, oh, the closet. You're great. I feel don't like worry. that might have been too much, but. Well, that was my thing is, again, I usually, when we do the liquor store runs, uh, when we have guests over, they're usually pretty stoked about it. I usually just grab a beer. And so this is my first time making one of the cocktails out of it. And I should have started with the strawberry lemonade because I have more of that left over than all the mini alcohol I poured in there. So we'll see how this show goes from here on out. Uh, while we stir and get ready for our first taste, let's go to the audience. Of course, we asked you on kindoffunny.com slash P-S-I-L-Y, what? are your answers for these categories. And I said most underrated PS game of 2022. Eugene wrote in and said Gran Turismo 7. Oh. The hate was unwarranted. That's all he wrote. We said explain wow. your picks. Some people didn't explain their picks at all. And let me tell you, when we get to trophies, I'm going to have some fucking words for you. Uh, this is what I wish he explained because I, I like. I, know I think he says it all right there. The hate was unwarranted. Of course, GT. I missed the hate. You, no, you did. Well, it was it was the was uh, it the, the mi- microtransactions? Stuff, oh, okay. I which saw some I of that. honestly don't think that's I don't think that's much of anything. It got great scores, but it was like, also the the economy of in game stuff, like even outside of microtransactions of stuff that you would have to play to earn in game to buy certain cars. Like I remember that being all messed up too. Yeah, but they fixed that, right? Yeah, no. but you know, you get one chance at a first impression, and also, that was. I would say, wouldn't the hate then be war- literally warranted? Sure, but if you're a fan, like a if you're a fan it? like Eugene here, who stuck it out, went through it, you know what I mean? I think my personal takeaway uh, from Eugene, who did not really do his show his work, just said the hate wasn't warranted. I think it's that the fact of what he's talking about, what we're talking about right now, where in the past on this show and other kind of funny shows, when Gran Turismo 7 does come up, the narrative is just, oh, yeah, and they fucked up their microtransactions. Everybody was mad, right? Yep. And that's it. That's the narrative out of it. It's not that Mike had a good time. I remember Mike yeah. reviewed it, and it was his first GT, and he really enjoyed it. And there was some guy or whatever that was like his uh, Sherpa through the GT story mode or whatever, like a character in the game that we all had a fun time with. But 
Yeah, and I'm, I mean, Michael High and my roommate absolutely loved uh, GT7. Like to this day, we still have the racing wheel in our uh, living room, just chilling next to the TV. Nice. And like someday, somebody come back to it. Yeah, he got all the way into it. I don't know if he still. I don't think he still plays it because I've not seen him rock that. That racing wheel in a while. Pretty dirty. Huh? Yeah, it's kind of like a Peloton in my living room, just <laughs> chilling. Nothing's happened to do it. But I know at launch he was like, "Oh man, this is my everything." Like he yeah. was like, "This is my game of the year right now." And then Stranger Paradise Final Fantasy Origin came out, and that all changed. That was it. That was the end of that. I understand. Yeah. Uh, David Pavito wrote in to kindoffunny.com slash PSILY and says, Horizon Forbidden West. Now hear me out. I know Horizon Forbidden West was great and reviewed well and sold well by all accounts, but again, the Horizon series game came out at the same time as a true juggernaut, Elden Ring, so it didn't get a chance to exist on its own and be lauded the way God of War, Ragnarok, and other games did. It, I, I see the argument. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, honestly, argument. I get I agree, right? Like, and like, I don't think... It's tough because Elden Ring, as somebody who loves Elden Ring, right? And somebody is nasty, it's nasty, Greg. No, it's not nasty. It's tart. Yeah, mine There's is, a lot of lemon. Why are you potent. drinking it through a straw? This why? Is why? Hey, man, lemon clouds. It came with a straw. What do you want me to do? Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to get fucked straw. up from the liquor across the street, get the Ziploc bag that says lemon clouds. Lemon clouds. Um, as somebody who, you know, loves and adores Elden Ring, and Elden Ring is probably my game of, the, game of the year and probably my game of the decade. Wow. Um, Horizon, I feel so bad for Horizon because, like, that game is so excellent. Like, yep. that game is magnificent. It's really fun. Great story. Like, I think they did the damn thing. But for the second time in a row, they come out the same, in the, what, in the same two-week period as a game that is genre-defining and as a, uh, as a game that just, uh, has a fan base that won't, you know, shut up shut about up. it. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, like, I, f- I feel for Horizon. And I think in the framing of, you know, how Dave was talking about it, I would say, yeah, I think I agree that it's it's underrated, right? Like, if Horizon came out at times that weren't as volatile <laughs> for its own release i think it would uh do better in the conversation and more people would be able to appreciate it separated from all these other things right it's not elden ring's fault that elden ring is excellent right it's no. not breath of wild's fault that breath of wild's not god but... of war's fault that is excellent too. yeah right? exactly like, and that's and that's part of the argument right where uh to what david's talking about here it didn't get the chance to exist on its own and be lauded the way god of war and ragnarok other games did i hear you and i agree with that for your underrated argument but I still think God of War Ragnarok is the only game right now that has a shot at game of the year over Elden Ring. And that's a fight. That's a fight. I'm mm. not saying that's easy by any stretch of the imagination. Whereas I don't think Horizon ever had that, right? No. It was Elden, Elden Ring dropped and everybody's like, this is great. I'm sorry, what was that, Janet? I, I, I just said correct. Like, I agree with you. Thank um, you. I think something that's weird about Horizon, it's not... I mean, the the release does not help where it's like next to greatest game ever next to other greatest game ever. Literally, (laughs) like it could not be worse, but it also does have problems like the first and the second one have issues that I totally think are are valid. I don't have as much beef with the game as other people might, but I, I see the criticisms and I have criticisms of my own. You know, we've talked about that at length on this show and on other shows we've done, but there's something about Horizon that it's just like tainted for the community and i don't i don't know why that is because i feel like horizon critically is mostly rated the same as something like ghost a game that like i personally think is a great game but has a lot of problems and people are like what do you mean it's great like the wind you didn't you didn't care about the wind like you didn't care about the wind and i'm like you know it was cool but like i have a lot of beasts with that game they get rated about the same but people are more mad at horizon not being a 10 than they are at ghost not being a 10 like there's this people won't let horizon exists as an eight to nine um and i get wanting it to be better and i think do you mean that's the, they won't let yes, horizon as a franchise or they mean the forbidden west as a franchise like not like it's more 
frustrated. It seems like the vibe I get is there's way more frustration around Horizon falling short than something like Ghost falling short, even though they fall short in the same ways. Like See, they're both great games that aren't at that next masterpiece level. But like people get so like hung up on that for Horizon, which I just find weird because they're both I feel like, like I'm with you when I hear same. the argument. I feel like that shines through more with Horizon because they've had a second go around now. Whereas I think Horizon Zero Dawn, we all were like, oh shit, fuck the Killzone guys. They did something great here. This is really cool and it's big. And yeah, it's got this problem or that problem, but it's like technically impressive. It's got this thing. The story's great. The performances are great. And then that year, you know, it loses all the Game of the Year awards because other things came along and were also equally great or better than that, right? And you go, oh man, no big deal. And so to get the second shot here and have it happen again, I think people are like, oh, so it's a mid-franchise. Maybe it's not a mid-game. And I'm saying mid again for right. a game that's an 8-5, a 9. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not actually meaning mid, but I mean, oh, it's not that S-tier like we're talking about. Whereas Ghost gets the one shot and everybody's like, oh man, the fucking infamous guys made this mm. game. And again, what I think's interesting is you oh you don't like the wind they're calling that out right because of the argument that zero dawn for as good as it is still is a traditional open world game that had the same kind of mechanics i feel and i know i'm i'm playing very fast and loose and using basically twitter arguments here mm -hmm. but the idea yes. that like ghost in the moment to moment gameplay not the skill trees and all that stuff looked and felt a bit different right it had an art yes. style i thought that was more than just oh it's gorgeous which is horizon of course yeah and i i think this also comes down to where PlayStation, where video games in general were at at the time Horizon came out. I think Horizon Zero Dawn was probably the first game that came out with uh, PlayStation First Party where it was, oh, this studio's like really redefining themselves. Oh, snap. Like, this is a PlayStation, like possibly 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10 game, right? Like, Horizon Zero Dawn came out before Ghost. It came out before God of War 2018. It came out before death stranding right it came out before days gone i guess if you put days gone that argument as well right this now is just naming games i can't <laughs> this but this was before that wave of playstation games where oh now everything is going to be like uh, inspired by the last of us right or inspired sure, by sure. what naughty dog's doing and i think horizon being the first one of those or one of the first one of those puts in a different place of us playing it as a guerrilla game and going oh my god what a game like oh my and talking it up right where you get to horizon Forbidden west and now we're playing a game that comes after God of War 2018, comes after Spider-Man in 2018, right? Comes after all these different PlayStation first-party games that have now done the same thing. And now it's less impressive because we've gotten all these games that are hitting that uh, that, that sort of level. And now it's easier to, to critique because we have things to put it up against to in the PlayStation first-party uh, portfolio. And so I think that makes it tough as well. But I still, and, you know, like, I'm not, I, I'm, I wouldn't put Horizon Forbidden West as a 10 out of 10 by any means. But I do think that, like, it deserves being the conversation as far as like the great game, the great game. I'm just trying to move here. the shit out of my way and I keep knocking it around. <laughs> uh, I think it, I think it belongs in the conversation, right? And I and you know I wish I wish there was less of like the trepidation to like put it in that conversation. I think and that's why I think it, it's an interesting pick for an underrated one. Yeah, where it is another one that, that I think I, is going to go around and get uh, overshadowed by a lot of. Games. I think it was if it was yeah. 2021, nobody would bat an eye about like Horizon being in the nominees for Game of the Year, right? And us sure. talking about it of that. Like, I think it's mainly because we're in 2022 when we've gotten both Elden Ring and God of War ragnarok where it's now it's like oh yeah really like you're putting up horizon in there but it's like yeah like in any other year horizon would be in there because it's a great game sure thank you barrett barrett's coming to get the trash Thanks what so a good barrett. man what a good producer you know kevin he would just laugh at me while i smash stuff hey, he up. brought you this guy that's cool Greg. fuck that's a great point yeah, can't yeah. talk shit about so him can't. well he's not in the room he's not in the room he can't hear what's happening you know what i mean take over here uh, yeah, you can grab pretty much all, all this stuff. This. While Barrett busts some more stuff, let's get another pick. Another in a recent one, which I thought was interesting and definitely an underrated game at kind of funny. Big Bad Beluga comes in and says Marvel's Midnight Suns. 
coming out at the tail end of the year in a genre none of the hosts are the most enthusiastic about, Midnight Suns is a treasure in a year full of phenomenal strategy games and a great first step into uncharted territory for Firaxis as they explore beyond their strict strategy roots. Didn't see that one coming, but I understand it again, like a game that's out here right now. And, you know, after the Gamer Awards cut off, not going to get anything there. And then you wonder if it'll come around next year, let alone the scores it's been getting. But, yeah, nobody yeah. kind of funny fell in love. I'll say, it. I think this is kind of funny underrated, but, like, industry-wide, it seems like people are really digging me. But here's my thing, and I would throw this out there, too. And, Jan, I want your opinion. Have you seen sure. Scuttlebutt on Twitter about it? And you're talking no. it, again, it's the reviewers again that I talked about, right? Where it's like, oh, they love XCOM, they love for access, they're PC people. They came out, they played it, and they really like it. I have not seen the overwhelming conversation on Twitter. I've seen a few. I would, I would agree with that. I've seen like a, a few people tweet about uh, tweet out about how they're enjoying it, but I sure. think it might also be the thing of there's just a lot of games coming of out, so the conversation is being split between that and Callisto Protocol and like Crisis Core and uh, different and conversation about Callisto. <laughs> oh, and also award season, you know? Like, sure. Yeah. Like that takes up so much sight, guys. Yeah. Man, I might put Callisto in this as well. Long. So a lot of people, like people, I've seen people tweet about being like, "Oh, what should I? I feel like I should want to check this out." Now that I've seen reviews, but it's like a fairly lengthy campaign, and there's, I think, a little bit of trepidation of whether or not you want to open up something that gigantic with like the year winding down. You know, with that meaning, people might have vacations, family time, uh, you know, other if you're a content creator, like other content that you're trying to wrap up before the year is done. So I think it did end up. It's an it's awkward to drop a game that's that large this time of year because it doesn't really like fit super well that being said i don't know maybe people will knock this out during holiday break and just kind of really dig into it but yeah. that's kind of the conversation i've seen a bit around it but i know it's also very industry specific where i know people are going to be in the comments like i love a game that's really lengthy and like what well, y'all don't want to just eat here forever and i'm like no i don't a lot of people <laughs> have that hesitation yeah when people are like oh um, man i'm 75 hours in i'm like holy fucking it's shit. like you didn't care about the wind you know it's like all right um <laughs> the wind was great um, the another wind one was I want good. Like I fuck with the wind. Like I Thank don't think okay. I didn't fuck with the wind. It's just that the, the wind isn't enough. You know, like the wind's not enough. I want to now just speed read through the other ones I put on here because I like them getting not na na named, but I don't want to necessarily do it because we got more awards to do. Uh Huang a lot wrote in for Sifu. Hell yeah. Colton Simpson wrote in for the Returnal Ascension DLC. Oh. Which is an interesting pick, right? It has co-op co trophies, new story material, and a survival mode that surfaces its leaderboards in the same way that Astro's Playroom did. Like, huh, that's a really good point. Yeah. They're like, yeah, survival no. mode is awesome yeah. in Returnal Ascension. The co-op mode, I think, could have maybe made the game easier instead of harder. Because when I did the, the co-op mode with, I want to say it was either Stomach Mike or Andy, we were, uh, we were struggling. Um, we were doing the race. It was like me and Mike versus, I think, Andy and Nick. Um, and I swear to God, it made the game harder. I think probably because it splits the uh, looting between two people. And so you're not upgrading as quickly. Yeah. Um, and I think they also make the enemies harder. And so I think that might have taken down co-op a bit. But um, the, the um, tower is awesome. Yeah. Uh, then you had uh, Joaquin wrote in for Ghostwire Tokyo, uh, Carter for Norco, and then Ryan McNeil for Eno. Mutagenamin. Mutation. Mutagenamin. Yeah. Which I enjoyed and played for a few weeks there. Or not a few. I talked about it for a few weeks. Is like yeah. chipped away at it. Same. Enjoyed I, myself. Like those first like three hours. Yeah, I never finished it, out. but I had a great time with it, yeah. But now, let's move on to best trophy list. Blessing you put N.A., you coward. <laughs> I don't, I, like, this is not a category for me, because I don't, I don't think I platinumed any game this year. Sure. And usually I try to do one a year, but... I had a couple that I tried to go for, and then I just got distracted. Like, I almost got the plat for Miles Morales. I almost got the plat for um, 
the other game that 13 sentinels aegis rim yeah. um and like i might do a stream or something where i'm like i go back and chase all the platinums that i've almost Platy bird. go get Platy bird. um but oh yeah maybe i should get Platy bird. no i'm not gonna get Platy bird. um but yeah like i don't really have much to say about the trophy list of this year. shut up janet you and i are here because we love trophies and we love getting yep. them and i like how we are two sides of the same coin i picked mm -hmm. god of war ragnarok and you picked horizon forbidden west why'd you go with forbidden west like the robot animals um but also i love horizon <laughs> right it's a it's a fantastic game Un some would say it's underrated uh and some wouldn't because that's everybody that covers literally everybody um but genuinely super fun there's so much packed into this open world and what i love the most about this trophy list is it doesn't require that you do everything it's not mm -hmm. super granular in terms of things like collectibles or the freaking scan we gotta line it up but i don't know what the mountain ranges are or anything like that like it's pretty achievable the hardest thing probably in it is the uh melee pits which you can also just turn the difficulty down which i did have to do for the final one because the final one is super hard yeah and i one thing i really liked about this trophy list and sort of you can argue you get this anytime you take a more completionist look at a game but being forced to like interact with more of the side content like the melee pits made me um, I think appreciate a little bit more what they were trying to do or kind of see where this can evolve in the future. While when I did the core, you know, my front to back playthrough of it for the review, I didn't engage a lot with the melee stuff because I didn't like it that much. And I still stand by it not being that good or having a lot of flaws, but it was cool to kind of like get, okay, let me actually get to know this system in a deep way. Um, yeah, and I, I loved it. I also cleared the map fog, even though you don't need to do that. And there's sure. a slight sliver that you still can't get. Um, but this was, I think it's also like, sits in my heart uh because i had covid when i platinumed this and this was just like all right i'm laying down because i want to try to rest and i'm just gonna you know hunt some animals and i got to you know make my own fun with like they have one that's like max your gear or something and i got to pick you know okay i want like an actual i could just you know cheese this and get like the easiest gear but i want to get the gear that i actually want to wear um so there's i think there's like a lot of fun and freedom to be had in little decisions like that um so yeah fun platinum got this platinum this is now like my platinuming franchise i don't know how many more of these are gonna make but i have the first one i got this one call them we'll see what's next oh man call them out <laughs> Janie. you gotta do it i guess so but i'm kind of scared I, I don't know what platinuming in vr looks like my first vr platinum so We'll see. Why not? Okay. Sure. Fair I'm enough. calling it out. Let's do it. 2023, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's next. February. That's okay. Nice. I'll yeah. see you. I'll yeah, see months. you then. Well, right. that'll be on the list for next year. Uh, for me, yeah, I went with God of War Ragnarok and, you know, full disclosure, uh, as review season has been an entire year and I have a child, I haven't finished my God of War Ragnarok Platinum. Ooh. I am working on it, but what, I've, what I've enjoyed about it before, when I was grinding, it was everything you just said about horizon, right? Janet, where it is, Hey, they built this incredible world. They packed it full of stories. They've packed it all full of uh, history. They've packed it all full of personal tales, whether it be from Mimir. We won't spoil anything from God of War Ragnarok. You know what I mean? There's a lot going on here. And a lot of it is very similar to 2018, but 2018 was another trophy, a uh, platinum trophy I really loved getting. And I, so I think the fact that I love the game, I love the world so much, it is the reason, like, what, the reason I put it here and I would put it above Horizon, right? Another platinum I was working on or meaning to get back to is the fact that right now, after I platinum Callisto, that and we get through whatever reviews we need to to close out the year, that will be the Christmas break. It will be going, okay, cool, mm -hmm. let's go into God of War Ragnarok's Platinum. And it's one of those, I thought about it, I toyed with putting uh, Callisto Protocol's uh, Platinum on here because I am really enjoying that, but I'm only enjoying it probably because of the glitched uh, difficulty trophy where it has that classic 
hey, you want to beat the game on the hardest difficulty, that'll pop the trophy for you. And so that I was able to cheese it, which then solved everything for me because now I'm just going through the power picks guide, getting all the collectibles, listening to all the audio diaries, having a great time. But if it was, hey, the ultimate difficulties here, I would have waited till New Game Plus in February and brought all my stuff back with me because I don't think I would have wanted to go out there and be underpowered for it and start it all over. But God of War Ragnarok uh, is obviously just a fantastic game in general. <laughs> Here you go. Uh, Barrett's throwing up my tweet if you're an audio listener from over the weekend. When I tweeted out, hey, everybody, Callisto Protocol's got a workaround. Here's how you do it. Everybody wanted it. There was a lot of people, thank you very much for that, and a lot of people who were, you're a monster, and you, you've you ruined the sanctities of trophies. And I was like, you are just catching on to who I am if you think this is Yeah, you haven't line. been listening to Greg and the way he, he does stuff here. Exactly. I like I like how Gary was like, yeah, this, this is, is a lowest. new low for you. And, and you're like, like, no, it's no, not. He did the same thing in Kena. He did it in Kena Bridge of Spirits, too, and I will do it every you time. You always find do. these. Well, it's because, you know, people will find these. It's one of those, like, when you put a dumb trophy in about difficulty, people are going to find it. And, you know, mm-hmm. the one and only, Blessing Adeoye Jr., challenged me the other day and i haven't yeah. forgotten what was the challenge we watched the last of us trailer for hbo and i was like fuck this makes me want to play last of us again mm-hmm. and you were like i forget what it was oh you'll you'll pick out an outfit for me for something if i platinum it over a break or whatever oh yeah and i thought about it damn do i want to do a platinum run of last of us right now do it i do i think i want to but again like now now we're getting too ambitious because i'm saying i'm gonna platinum ragnarok over at christmas break i'm gonna platinum last of us I'm going to start The Witcher Next Gen, you and I keep talking about? Yeah. I'm going to play these other games that, like Tiny Kin that I haven't played. You we're, got a lot of time this Christmas. We're dr- oh, fuck, the fuck you. The fuck <laughs> I do. All right? The, but trust me, my 14-month-old son is not going to agree with you. Greg, in the middle honestly, what's the worst he's going to do? Prioritize God of War. Let, uh, you and me hold hands together over the break, and we'll yeah, try to do this. How, how's your platinum run going? You've gotten <laughs> off the review trains. So you're you're just working on it, right? Yeah, I finally got back because I was uh, really sucked into Pokemon. Um, I think it's like both Midgard and Svartalheim I have in like the high 90% completion, and like the only things that I haven't done there are like I need to be higher level. Like I need to be like essentially level nine to do those kind of things. So uh, those are pretty much almost done started vanaheim stuff last night uh and it's going at a good pace uh i, I know vanaheim's gonna get real big uh real soon for me uh in, in some areas that i did not explore yet but sure. uh yeah I'm, I'm not feeling too overwhelmed about it it's more of just figuring out of like all right where should i go first where's like the good loot and stuff so i can go back and like do these other um side quests where you have to fight really hard enemies and stuff like that Fair enough. Uh, a lot of people, of course, wrote in for the audience section uh, complimenting God of War. But three I want to talk about. One comes from Roger B. from Wisconsin, who wrote in for Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. More interesting than the standard open world first party do and collect everything. Of course, Stan- uh, we were talking about this in the car the other day, Barrett, right? Of like Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe is the original game but it's also more so it's, it's like this- added a lot of content yeah exactly and it's like it's aware that it's like kind of uh like added content and it's kind of a sequel in that way too again i want to that's that's when i need to get back to, to it play, uh break yeah yeah because i play I, I booted it up when it first came out and i played quite a few run-throughs because it is like you know you play and then you reach an ending and then you play again and you reach a different ending and you you, you do different things in each playthrough to try and like figure out all the different ways it can go. And so I did like maybe four or five of those before I got distracted. Uh, if you aren't familiar with Stanley Parable, of course it's this puzzly game as you explore and it gets very heady and all these different things are happening in it. Uh, but their trophies, even the first time around, were very introspective. Uh, what they look like for Ultra uh, Deluxe here as you look through them, right? Uh, of course, there's the Platinum for getting them all. Uh, 
complete the Stanley parable, of course, but then it gets test trophy, please ignore test trophy description, replace this. So it's like, all right, well, mm. what does that lead into? Right. Welcome back. Quit the game and then start it again. Uh, you can't jump. No, seriously, we disabled it. Commitment. Play the Stanley Parable for an enti- ent- the entire duration of a Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> click on the door 435 <laughs> times. Click on the door 435 times. Uh, don't play the Stanley Parable for 10 years. Like That, that was an original uh, yeah. one, too, that they had for a long time. That, of course, you can cheese your clock and get it, but you can also go through and, if you wanted, like the people who did in the original game, wait through and do that. So another quirky list out there. Uh, and then Michael wrote in and said, Stray. Despite Ragnarok having a good balance of challenge and collectibles and The Last of Us Part 1 refining a bad list from the PS3 game, I believe Strain knocked it out of the park with a great trophy list. Some lists rely too much on story-related or collectible trophies. Stray has it all. Collectibles, side missions, story, and miscellaneous. It truly is one of the best lists I've seen in quite some time. It does uh, two things that trophy lists ought to do. Encourage you to explore and play in different ways. Stray is a short game, but the trophy list, trophy list packs it with enticing things to do. Sure, I can see that argument. I understand it. Uh, the two people who I want to yell at are Alex Booth and Eugene, who wrote in to say, Cult of the Lamb. Are you fucking kidding me? Cult of the <laughs> Lamb? The game where there's an individual trophy for beating each boss without taking a hit? No, thank you. A no? great trophy, except an, for that kind of annoying shit. That sounds like a, a skill issue. It, it, you're goddamn right. <laughs> yeah. Do you notice me cheesing the Callisto difficulty? <laughs> cheesing the, the other one Barrett and I were talking about? Oh, uh, Kana? Get that shit out of here. Let me enjoy the game and have fun and get a bunch of cult people. Yeah, Platinums aren't about having skill. They're about not using your time better. You know, it's like, yeah. why play something else when I can play this more than I have before? That's what it's about. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it's about. Uh, best PlayStation Plus game is one of our other categories. And we'll get back to it, ladies and gentlemen, right after I tell you about patreon.com slash kind of funny over on patreon.com slash kind of funny funny of course you could get the show ad free you could be live like banderess and, and bander the, the <laughs> drink is hidden, <laughs> hidden. banderess <laughs> cameron kennedy and joshy gr uh of course on patreon.com slash kind of funny you could watch all of our podcasts live as we record them you could get them all ad free and you can get 38 bonus episodes of exclusive content however you're not on patreon.com slash kind of funny so here's a word from our sponsor Shout out to Shady Rays for sponsoring this episode. Look how cool I look. You too can look this cool without breaking the bank this holiday season. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of $200 shades for a fraction of the price and a fraction of that price during their holiday sales. Shady Rays are premium polarized shades featuring world-class optical clarity, substantial durability, and styles catered to everyone and every lifestyle. If you lose or break your shades on day one, they told us that they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked dropped in the lake, off a cliff, anything, they'll replace them. The lost and broken coverage transfers to anyone you gift them to. They'll get great polarized shades and protection no matter what happens to them in the future. They stand by their product and told our team that if anyone has a problem, they throw profit out the window and do what it takes to get it right. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is running their deepest deal of the season. Use code KINDAFUNNY for 50% off two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. Buy one, get one free. You can get two pairs for as low as $54 at ShadyRays.com using the code kind of funny where you can find all their newest and best shades shout out to factor for sponsoring this episode we all got to eat and sometimes having to prep that food is the one thing really getting in the way of your day with the bustling holiday season well underway ready to eat meal delivery can lend a helping hand factor shops preps cooks and delivers to your door so you can enjoy chef crafted dietitian approved meals during the holidays minus the hassle plus with 34 meals per week including gourmet plus keto calorie smart vegan plus veggie and 36 plus weekly add-ons you'll have plenty of 
of nutritious, flavorful options to choose from. Factors cheaper than dining out and takeout, plus the money you save towards holiday fun and you time. And thanks to Factors' commitment to ingredients with integrity, you can enjoy flavorful, chef-crafted meals, guilt-free like their creamy Parmesan chicken and three-bean vegan chili. A ton of us here at Kind of Funny have been so thankful for Factors since we've been here in the new studio, and you can too. Head to go.factor75.com slash kindoffunny60 and use code kindoffunny60 to get 60% off your first box. That's code kindoffunny60 at go.factor75.com slash kindoffunny60 to get 60% off your first box. Shout out to Rocket Money for sponsoring this episode. We all love gobbling up content and we have an understanding of what subscriptions we use. Or do we? Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions when the actual total is closer to 200 plus. That's right. You could be wasting hundreds of dollars each and every month on subscriptions you don't even know about. There's this app we love using that takes care of that for us, and it is called Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill. The app shows all of your subscriptions in one place and then cancels for you whatever you don't still want. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. You may even find out you've been double charged for a subscription. You can get rid of useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. Go to rocketmoney.com slash kinda funny. Seriously, it could save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash kinda funny. Cancel your unnecessary subscriptions right now at rocketmoney.com slash kinda funny. Now, I got that drink again. What was that? What's What's the the drink drink again? Lemon clouds. I got Labor Days and I got Labor Days and Keegan and Matthew and Joshy and a whole bunch of other trogs in there saying the forny thing because I said kind of forny. Kind of fornication. I am a a twelfth of the way through this drink. (laughs) All right. It's going to be a long show. A long fucking show if you want to keep throwing this in my face. All right. Chuck it, Greg. Huh? Just chuck it. No, Jesus Christ. No, God. How's yours? Uh, It's it's, it's warmed up. It's warmed up to me. I, I, I enjoy it. I like it. Has it gotten better or have you just gotten a little drunker so now you don't care? Hmm. You know, <laughs> who's to say? Who's, who who's to say? Game who, Awards starts now. It's fine. Because that's the thing. At a certain point, you're like, this doesn't taste like anything anymore. You know, can't feel my face right now. Best PlayStation Plus game of the year. Janet, what did you pick? I went with Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time, which dropped July 2022 to PlayStation Plus. Admittedly, this is a lot of just going through each month and being like, what's the hottest thing I can find? And sure. I do genuinely think Crash 4 is... You know, it's weird to say it's underrated because I don't think it is necessarily, like, you know, critically, but it's the game that I'm begging everyone to play if they like platformers. It is so good, and especially if you're open to a challenging platformer. And again, Crash does such a great thing um, that I personally like in difficulty where just completing the game is not too bad. There's still definitely some challenges, but you can get through it if you just want to finish it. But if you're trying to get like all the boxes that you can, or if you're trying to go for like certain collectibles or whatever your goal that you make for yourself is, it allows space for that. And it creates a compelling challenge within that. I think it controls super well. We got the shadow underneath, which is like a must have and <laughs> forget any platformer, honestly, at this point. Um, and this hits so hard. I was very hesitant to go into this because I did not like, even though like I'm pretty sure different teams and stuff, I didn't like the um, Crash Insane trilogy. Sure. Um, it was a little too hard in the slipperiness, like even to the old, like I boot up the old games and I like those better than the remaster or the remake or whatever. So I was kind of like, maybe Crash, maybe me and Crash it's over, you know, maybe, maybe we run our course, but this was so fun. And I think it has so many 
great little tropes that you see if you're a hardcore platformer fan you've seen these a million times things like oh this inverts the gravity and like little stuff like that or like this freezes time but and i think it plays with those in such a cool way uh, look at these like if you're watching the video version the level designs are crazy there's some fun like trippy character multiverse kind of energy to it um it's just so freaking fantastic and when this dropped i was like please everyone go play this so if you're listening and you have not played it yet uh, go play it. I also watched uh, Shout to Gerard for uh, AKA The Completionist. Like, he did a completionist run of it. And I saved that for when I beat the game because I'm like, I'm not going to do all that work. But he did that work and I got to watch him suffer through those challenges. That was quite fun as well. Crash Bandicoot 4, it's about time, was one of those I was not excited for. Tim was super excited for at launch. And, you know, it came out, rave reviews. I was never a Crash person. And I spent two or three nights with it when I finally got it. It was surprised by how much fun I had with it. And it was actually enjoyable. But the problem was I was getting hung up on, I didn't want to advance the levels till I'd done everything in the levels. And then whatever, oh, review, so I, whatever review I needed next came around. But I, for, in terms of a PlayStation Plus game, big seal of approval in terms of a great one oh, to play there. And a, a real quick shout out, because I played this way. Um, they have a, um, I've done plenty of single player games with two people, like just pass the controller. But they have that baked into the game. And you can choose like how you want to, and it, like, it, it tells you like when to pass the controller. So you can do it per death you can do it per checkpoint um so me and my brother played that way and then it gives your individual stats at the end as well so uh again kind of a deep cut because you have to have someone in your house to do that i don't, I don't know if it has online capabilities for that feature it but it was super fun to do so if you happen to live with another um gamer who's down to go through that with you it's super enjoyable to like have that back and forth baked in it's like such an a modern like angle on a very old school idea it's just a blast and a half uh, mine should come as no surprise if you watched the PlayStation Awards from last year here on PS I Love You XOXO. Uh, I chose Toem. came out September 2022. Uh, an adorable little game Jan and I loved last year. And the fact that you could go and get it for free this year and play it and go through this, you know, gorgeous little black and white game. Animated so well. So adorable. So cute. Take photos. You know, try to get to the event known as Toem or whatever. Uh, how the game ends is super cute, super cool. Of course, Portillo's in the game, so that's neat. Uh, but in general, even if Porty wasn't in the game, I just had a great time with Tome the first time I played it and thought it was such a fun, refreshing, relaxing experience as you go through and do these little puzzle puzzles and figure out how to advance and change the landscape and use your camera to get the new diving helmet and go through whatever you're up to. Like It was an adorable, fun one that uh, last year I felt like I could not get enough people to care about. And so the fact that it was PlayStation Plus, I hope everybody downloaded it in September. Hell yeah. Plus, what'd you pick? Uh, this one was a little bit difficult for me because for me, when I think of uh, PlayStation Plus titles that stick out, usually they're the ones you think that... think premium tier. Yeah. We need to think, you know, you need to think about maybe essential. I mean, oh, of course. He's of thinking course. about PlayStation Plus, Plus, Plus. Plus, Plus, Plus. Plus, Plus, Plus. No, usually I think of the games that feel like they're um, being dropped as an event, right? Like sure. for me, I think of sure. games like Snacks, where it's, oh yeah, day and day, oh man, this is a, a game that's new on the platform, let's play it, and we all yeah. talk about it because it's part of PlayStation Plus, right? And I feel like PlayStation Plus has been doing that less uh, as the years have gone on. When right? I went through the, the games for this year, right, it definitely felt like that. It definitely felt yeah. like we weren't seeing the... Um what was that puzzle? Or Maquette. 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 Yeah, the Maquette of the World. Year, right? Even yeah. the just, you know Destruction All-Stars, which yeah. I know didn't yeah, light yeah. the world on fire, but it's a game that did come out day and date, right? And was advertised and was part of the PlayStation uh, showcase that they did, right? Like Stuff like that is why I like PlayStation Plus, and we've been missing out on that uh, this year. But with that, you know, we have gotten games like Neo 2 came out recently, and yeah. I think... 
you know, that was well-timed because next year we're getting Wolong Fallen Dynasty, which is from the same devs. And um, that looks like it's uh, to be like a successor to the Neo franchise. And I'm excited for that. Right. And so I did start playing Neo 2 uh, because of that. Um, but one I want to shout out is Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, yeah. uh, which came in June. And uh, that dropped alongside an update for the game, which added voice acting, which added uh, more items and a bunch of new features. And for me, for me, again, that is why I come to PlayStation Plus. Right. That is why or that's the thing that I think. That's an exciting opportunity that you can have with PlayStation Plus is to go, hey, like we're going to put our game on here, but let's time this with a big update. Let's time this with a thing that's going to bring a bunch of people in. Um, But I don't think that's actually going to be my winner for this category because I just realized, you know, Barrett mentioned, or it was you that mentioned PlayStation Plus Premium, which reminded me that Stray actually came out as a PlayStation Plus title, technically. A lot of people wrote in. A lot of people wrote in for Stray. And so I think my final answer is actually going to be Stray because I think Stray was probably the most fun I had with the PlayStation Plus title. Um, and also, it, it I think it checks the boxes of what I want from PlayStation Plus. Now that now especially that PlayStation Plus has evolved, right? Like it's no more just the PlayStation Plus essential tier. There's now three tiers to it. Um, and with that, right, with the growth of PlayStation Plus, I've been wanting it to be a hey, let's let's explore these different tiers, right? Let's find yeah. ways in which we can add these day and day titles or these really cool indie games to PlayStation Plus uh, in different ways. And I think Stray is an example of what I would want more out of um, the extra tier, right? The second tier, which is, yeah, like you've been hyping up Stray for a year and a half for multiple years at this point. All right, cool. Yeah, let's drop it on PlayStation Plus and get more people into it and advertise the extra tier, right? Like that's what I wanted to see from Roller Drome. That's what I'd like to see from Little Dublin side. hate to interrupt you, but you have been disqualified in the Trog chat. The Portland Kevin has says extra doesn't count for me and bless his opinion is DQ'd. And Janet was there to back yeah, him up I feel like too. the agreement was yeah. essentials. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, lo- I'm looking at the title of the category here. It says best PS Plus game. And that's where it ends. And so, I mean, it's up the to fine, the user the, to really go up. But it's the Portland Kevin saying it. It's not uh, me. Portland Kevin's the one over there. Okay, I see. Who's typing? Is um, that Janet ty- typing? I, I'm also looking at the document here, and it's saying best PS Plus essential game. Uh, it looks so, like Janet just typed that. It looks like Janet just typed that in. In the past, we've always done it of looking uh, at the games that are, you know. But in the past, there wasn't a tiered system. I mean, yeah. You know, uh, PlayStation uh, Plus has evolved. It's in like the, a Pokemon. That's, and that's my argument, is that PlayStation Plus has evolved. Well, I think this should have been a conversation beforehand if you're going to drastically did I drastically change it or did PlayStation yes. drastically change it? Because in the years PlayStation past. PlayStation drastically changed it by changing almost nothing. And instead of getting a good game on PS Essential, now you have to pay for extra to get good uh, games. In, in, is what the change in is. Years so, past, uh, like in years the category has always been best PS, PS Plus, plus game. game. For B, uh, best PS Plus game, you know? Is this PlayStation Now or is this PS Plus? <laughs> I think it's PS, PS Plus. Plus. Well, PS Now is now PS Plus. I'm looking at the ruling here. And good yeah, user. Seems like good user. We'll leave it up to you. Yeah, depending on how you define PlayStation Plus, you can either take Blessings Pick of Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl from June 2022 mm. or Stray. It's how you take. This is the only time I'm going to mention Stray on this podcast. I think it's coming up later. No, oh, it's I, not. Yeah. I, it when they were like, time. there's a user category submitted that's biggest disappointment. And Janet was laughing because I put like 19 things in there. And let me tell yeah. you, Stray was there for sure. Um, I, again, we asked you what the best PS Plus game was. We didn't say essential back then. Uh, George Powell wrote in and said the Mass Effect collection. Bruh, it's Mass Effect 1 through 3. Good argument. Good point. Yeah, great argument. Great argument on that one. Uh, Sir Hoang a lot says Neo 2. Never gave it a chance until it was on PlayStation Plus, and it's a nice improvement from Neo. Robert Yates wrote in and said, Yakuza Like a Dragon, a great game that was new to a lot of PlayStation Plus users. God of War may be the best PlayStation Plus game this year. Remember, 2018 came to PlayStation Plus this year. Uh, but I would wager most users had already played it by this point. Janet, you played Yakuza this year, correct? Like a Dragon? Yeah, I'm still working on it, actually. But yeah, it's a fantastic game. And I think 
if you're like me and you don't do a lot of rpgs because they're very long um i think this is still one worth playing like i think what's most impressive to me about this game is how good the writing is like it's very um off the wall and jokey but also very heartfelt at different times and i think they play with those two flavors very well and also the side content is incredible like every mini game every side quest like all of it hits and all of it is so fun to do and the combat system also just like hits like crazy the turn-based mechanics and the job system like it is it is a game that i have very few notes for um yeah you can look at dragon go play it okay uh colton right in said sl- Colton wrote in and said, Slay the Spire. Easy to pick up and play, difficult mm-hmm. to master. Slay the Spire is a welcomed addition to my PlayStation Plus library after years of seeing its popularity amongst my friends who play on PC. For the better part of a month, I'd pick this one up every day to give it a run or two. A great game for podcasts as well. This is one of the few um, PlayStation Plus titles, PlayStation Plus Essential titles uh, that, that I played this year as well. Uh, and Slay the Spire is pretty fun. And so if you redeemed it and haven't given it a shot, you should check it out. And then Michael wrote in and said, Deep Rock Galactic. Rock and stone, everyone. Deep Rock Galactic is one of the hidden gems of a game. It has a good amount of replayability with different mission types, four different classes, and a bevy of support from the devs. In my opinion, this game was snubbed for best ongoing game nomination at the Game Awards. Uh, Similar to you with Slay the Spire, this is one I played on PlayStation Plus this year. We'd heard so much about it. Uh, I grabbed it there. After, in the, every, I tweeted about it. Everybody responded with Rock and Stone because their community is out there. It's very large. Uh, we streamed it. We had fun with it. It was. I can see why people would be super into it of going off on these missions. You know, uh, going off to gather your resources and come back and do it. It was cute. It's a first person game, but like, didn't hold me forever. But a good a good thing to jump in. And again, we were talking about a game you need to play with other people. That's where PlayStation Plus comes in, right? One hundred percent. Then, best studio. Now, is this best studio or best PlayStation studio? Since we want, we want to just add rules to these things. Well, calm down. I think we want to change, change, right? change up the titles. It's good that we're talking. You know, about the rules of things. It's best studio that put out a PlayStation game. Okay. So you're fine. Don't worry okay. about it. All right. I, of course, picked Sony Santa Monica. I think God of War Ragnarok, obviously, is a masterpiece. I think they had an incredible year. I think uh, the fact that they came out this year. That was another big part where we were like, we could easily see this one slipping and not hitting. The fact that they were able to not crumble under the pressure of following up God of War 2018. Uh, the fact they, I think, made it bigger, better. They expanded God of War. Like I don't. It, back to Janet's commentary uh, from before. I don't have many notes on God of War Ragnarok. Right. Like I think they didn't reinvent the wheel. I don't think they needed to, but they made it interesting to play with that wheel again. Am I wrong, Janet? No, and I. Again, I chose this partially because it's a PlayStation Studio, and I thought that that was also a requirement. But I think even without that, like God of War, uh, Ragnarok is my game of the year. Um, And I think in terms of when I think about the impact on PlayStation, Sony Santa Monica has had the biggest of that and the most positive from this calendar year. So for me, Santa Monica was the easy pick. Blessing, do you want to make it unanimous? No, I do not. Uh, No, my pick is... Blessing uh, ever wants to make it unanimous. (laughs) My pick is uh, from software. Uh, I it's it's like it's the other side of the coin, right? The fact that like when you ask people, when you ask a lot of people, what is game of the year this year, right? I think either they're they're gonna say Elden Ring or they're gonna say God of War Ragnarok. Um, and yeah, like I think you know, in the way that in what was it last year? It could have been the year before last year or both, right? Where we talk a lot about Insomniac as a studio and how. Yeah. They just keep yeah. putting out games, and their games keep being quality, and they are the the PlayStation MVP um, from software in a similar sort of way, right? Like the the amount of output that they have at the uh, level of quality that they have is mind blowing, and I don't know how they do it, right? It is 
Sekiro, you know, wins Game Awards Game of the Year in 2019, right? A few years before that, you're getting Dark Souls 3. A few years before that, you're getting Bloodborne, right? And, like, each and every, each of their games seemingly hit to a level where it's like, oh, man, this is one of my favorite games ever. You know, like, Sekiro and Bloodborne, both are games that I played uh, in the last couple of years, and both those ga- those games have inf- infiltrated my list of favorite games ever. And Elden Ring is, is um, in that category as well, right? And, like, for me, the thing that really solidif- solidifies them as, like, studio of the year is that they... they uh, put out a game that I would say is like pushing the medium forward in terms of game design, what they're doing with open world and what they're doing with open world design. And like, you know, Elden Ring was a game that by the time I got 50 hours in 60 hours in and kept going, I was constantly blown away by like what they're able to accomplish. Right. It was that constantly, it was that constant feeling of, man, I can't believe they did this. Yeah. I can't believe they've like put this much detail and this much content and this much quality and everything. And all the content into this game um and so yeah for me i i'd say they they they, they've blown my mind as a studio this year and i think they've earned it uh for the audience picks it was pretty split or i shouldn't say split it was pretty much a runaway for sony santa monica with uh from software right behind them for from software uh colton wrote in for sony santa monica and said four words god of war ragnarok they aren't on the same level as Naughty Dog to me just yet, and I believe the game is just a hair shy of feeling a true a true next gen experience. But dang, did it feel good to return to Kratos and Atreus's adventure after a five year wait? Meanwhile, Tyler uh, Gallant wrote in said from software, "I mean, it's Elden Ring. Come on, the game just reinvented what it means to be an open world game and made what could be many people, including me, game of the generation." Sony specific, it's Sony Santa Monica. <laughs> So those were the picks. I was surprised a lot of Insomniac still in there, though, in terms of best studio, where people were just like, they're still awesome. They're, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, they're still terms, out there working on stuff. It, yeah, they're making it, Not too. so much about what they're putting out this year in 2022, right? But just in general, who they are and what I, they I are. I want to give a shout out to uh, Soul Clap as well as a studio, right? As a studio that I think leveled up this year and putting out Sifu and like putting out a game that uh, sure. for many of us, we will put in their, our, in our favorite game of the year conversation. Um, and as a studio that now I, now I think is on the map and... You know, I, along with, I'm sure Tim and so many people here are kind of funny, now can't wait for whatever they do next, right? Like, they are on our radar as a studio. And so, shout out to Slow Clap as well. Uh, Our final category from us, before we get to your categories, ladies and gentlemen, was Best PlayStation Exclusive. And I won't make you wait. This one was unanimous, God of War Ragnarok. And I don't think that surprises anybody because the audience wrote in, and it was all God of War Ragnarok. Uh, Keegan wrote in and said, God of War Ragnarok achieved what most games rarely do, create a compelling sequel that improves and excels in every aspect. Liam wrote in and said, the quality bar that is set by this game, the narrative, graphics, gameplay, world design, audio design, you name it. This is PlayStation at its finest. It's the pinnacle of what is available on the platform. It shouldn't exist. It should have fallen short given what came before, but we are lucky they crafted such an outstanding and beautiful game. It's the easy answer, but damn, is it the right one? And then Brandon K. Uh, Brandon K. Gone uh, writes in and says, "For building upon one of the greatest games of all time without sacrificing anything. Plus, my biggest reason for it being my game of the year are spoilers. But the game, um, uh, yeah, the game has always made me feel strongly, no matter what I was doing. It's that thing of like, I think this is the most boring pick on the page, right? Because it's just, yeah. I mean, it's part of War Ragnarok. <laughs> part of me wanted to put like the last is part one because the last was." It is one of my favorite games ever, right? Sure, and technically, course. Last is Part One by extension is one of my favorite games ever. But I think when we're talking about a brand new release and, and you know something that set the world on fire, right? Like something that took over. I think God of War Ragnarok, the moment that it's having right now and that it's been having for the last month, is you know, it, like it's it's had an incredible release for a game that had a follow up, an incredible release in yeah, hundred percent right. Yeah, God of War, fantastic, right, Janet? 
Yep. Perfect. Now we, we we wrote it like we the said the only true award given because it's the only one we all agreed on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we asked you, ladies and gentlemen, to write in with your categories for us to try to quiz us to get you stuff. There, Alan wrote in and said, "Best open world of the year." Blessing, what'd you pick? Uh, I picked Elden Ring once again. It's okay. the best open world game that I played since Breath of the Wild. Uh, yeah. It is incredible. I think the open world design is incredible. The amount of boss encounters, boss design, like all that stuff is incredible. Like it's an open world that, for me, like. I like I, I equate it to pretty much any like landmark open world uh, title that I've run into growing up and playing video games where you know it makes me feel something it makes me like redefine the way I look at look at games right like I think of when I played GTA for the first time on sure. PS2 and I'm like what the fuck games can be open right and then like it goes on and I find Fallout 3 and I'm like oh my god like I, I can't believe there's this much content in this game right I go on and I play GTA 5 and that flows into Witcher 3 and that flows into Breath of the Wild and I think Elden Ring for me is the next step of Wow, like I really hope a lot of people um, uh, t- take influence from from Elden Ring in terms of how they go about, you know, letting you roam, um, uh, let, letting you explore the, the the world in the way you want, right? Letting you run into all these different creatures, letting you um, uh, create builds the way you want, right? There's so much choice and customization in the way you you you, you approach that game, and for me, like everything about it is open, which is what I appreciate about an open world game, and sure. so that's my pick. Uh, Janet, you and I both picked Horizon Forbidden West. Why'd you pick that over God of War? I don't really think of God, God of War as an open, as world. An open, not an open world, world game. You go anywhere you want. Go do whatever you do. I would, I would almost mm. classify uh, God of War as more of almost as like a Metroidvania more so than an open world game. It's that it's wide linear, except that term never caught on. So that we don't use it pretty much. <laughs> wrong with that. Like, we will try to make it happen and it didn't stick. So now we just can't, don't have a way to explain what those games are. But yeah, like it doesn't really... I mean, I'm sure if I want to be nitpicky, you could definitely make an argument that's an open world game, but I don't consider it to be one because of the way that stuff opens up and interconnects. Um, I feel like the opening of those areas is a very linear opening. Well, like in Horizon, for instance, or I guess Elden Ring, I assume as well, right? You can go from like the front to like the end pretty much. Like you don't need, the only, it just wouldn't make sense to do that because like you're not very strong, so it wouldn't be a fun time, but you could do it. You can like go wherever you want. Um, and God of War isn't constructed in that way. It's like you have these open areas that are sort of stitched together to make a, a the kind of patchwork that is god of war ragnarok um so that's why i picked horizon uh ultimately it's not necessarily because i think horizon is you know on that level to like how bless feels about elden ring where it's one of the best or innovating or pushing the boundaries it's just a it's a very well made open world game in a very high quality game and for me that's why i ended up with this pick but what about you greg what was did you consider god of war at, at a certain point no really, i was just stirring up shit because i know people ask about it uh sure and it does come down to a really interesting to conversation of what is open world and what is open zone and what is whatever i like isaiah in the chat here uh can it be open world if you have to wait for sections to open up it's a great question. But, of course, Ghost of Tsushima, that's an open world, right? I mean, you have to wait for sections yeah. of the island to open But, like, up. I think also with Ghost of Tsushima, it's all one map as opposed sure. to, like, God of War is separate. Don't get me wrong. I'm not making the actual argument. I picked Horizon Forbidden West. <laughs> and I did it because it was the most fun open world to explore, I felt, for me this year. Where it was, I love how beautiful that is. I love the side quests and stories that are packed into it. I do love uh, the, you know, that feeling of coming over a ridge and being like, okay, well, what is the next robotic monster I'm about to fight? What is the next, uh, you know ancient now landmark i know that i'm about to find right like as we've talked about before but to rehash an old story like you know doing the stream on launch day with it where i was already i'd already beaten it and we were screwing around the golden gate bridge and i was like oh man 
Alcatraz would be over there, and I forget who I was, and like, there won't be anything there. And we swam out there, and sure as shit, there was something out there that indicated, like, oh, yeah, this is where that's like, that's awesome. That's what I want from an world. I want to be rewarded for going off the beaten path just on a whim. Like, I used to be in GTA. When GTA was at its finest, I guess. 1000%. Also, GTA, another game that sections off areas on the map. Sure. At least the older ones. The yeah. bridges, yeah. The bridges off to get rid of the story. But also, I think our, our, definition, our definition of open world has evolved as the mediums evolved. Like, there are games that would have been called open world when they came out that no one would call open world like i feel like jet 2 had some of that conversation around it as well well it's not really an open world it's just a city with little areas you can go to by the time it's like whoa is this so you can you know travel to all these places yeah yeah and some people in the comment in the um live chat are talking about like sonic frontiers and me not uh, nominating for sonic frontiers mm -hmm. you know a game that is unequivocally better than Elden Ring. Um, no, that's a... That, <laughs> don't, don't say that. Don't do that to yourself, Wes. I wouldn't consider that open world also. Like, I, I, wow. I would... I know they throw around, around the open zone buzzword. and I like mean, it is I roll my zone. I roll my eyes at it a little bit, but also, like, it is just open levels. Like, Mario Odyssey is an open world. And, like, Mario... Yeah. I, I would put Sonic that's Frontiers sure, yes. in that category of, yeah. like, has levels, but the levels are open and you explore them. David Pivito wrote in. Kindoffunny.com slash P-S-I-L-Y, just like you can, and says, the game you most want a sequel to. On this one, I picked Cult of the Lamb. Uh, I really, really loved Cult of the Lamb, but it was missing something. And I don't know if I'm smart enough to put my finger on it exactly, but it was a great, solid experience that I really, really enjoyed and I really did love. And I, play, I reviewed it on PC, and I've thought multiple times about starting a PlayStation 1. Uh, but there was just some part of, I think heart that was missing to it that I thought would have pushed a little further. So many people wanted it to be, you know, a dungeon crawling animal crossing, but the world you're building, your actual hub world you're doing, it wasn't like animal crossing. It wasn't that I was building it out for fun and for design purposes. I was building it out for utility to get the most out of my cultists as possible. And I think there's something there to maybe lessen that to make, make it more encouraging to make it your own and make it beautiful. It was like, you know, weeks after launch where, the Cult of the Lamb Twitter account or somebody was putting up like, do this to really design your world. I was like, who would ever design this thing? Like, it's just a torture chamber of tents I've put up of trying to get these people to do what I want them I to do. I would design it. <laughs> right? Did you did you design but, yours? Did you make it? Uh, I didn't have, I, I still haven't spent technically a lot of time with the game. I only played it for like four hours, but I have um like one of the codes I got, because like, I got like the little plushies from the yeah. developer who sent me over and it came with like a card that was like, you can redeem this giant, like, it's like a giant stuffed animal of the lamb. And I was like, when I found out that that's what it was, I was like, holy shit, that's going to be awesome. And again, it is, to your point, it is very much like a utilitarian set dressing where it's like, okay, well, it happens to have a look, and but it's really about the function. But yeah, like, I don't even know what the function of that is, but I want it and I'm excited to have it and type my little code on Steam and, and put it in there. So yeah, but I would love to see, to your point, them do more with that element because that probably is one of my favorite aspects of the game of just kind of designing it and watching the what happens to the little cultists as they try to survive. Janet, what did you pick for a sequel you'd like to see? I really wasn't sure what to pick for this. I went with Escape Academy. Oh yeah, kind, kind of a lazy, yeah. kind of lazy pick on, on my on my book, but I would love more of it if they announced um, a sequel to quote Bless. Like I'd pop for that, right? Like I'd be excited for Escape Academy too. I think it's fairly easy to set up because they can either build on the story they've established or just have like a new class of students or a different academy or there's plenty of directions they can go in um and yeah i love this game you know i had listed it earlier as my underrated um game for the year and i'd love to see more of it obviously again there is dlc which i do plan to play with isaiah who's in the chat shout out to isaiah, isaiah. but a, a new game i'm a lot more likely to dig into a new game than i am dlc even though i will 
play this. And, you know, new game is inherently like bigger and a, a more of an opportunity, I think, to see, take the learnings from that first one and evolve on the second one. And I would totally be fine with this just being completely iterative because I just want more puzzles. Plus. Yeah, in a similar review talking about something was missing in Cult of the Lamb and you would love to see more of it. I think I feel the same way about Rollerdrome, where Rollerdrome was a game that as I was playing it, I was having a blast with. And by the time I put it down, I was like, all right, that was really fun. But I don't know if it's in my top 10 for the year. Um, you know, we were talking about this recently. It was I assume it was on the last episode of PSW because I think Janet was part of the conversation of like somewhere toward the end of Rollerdrome, not even the end, somewhere toward the second half of Rollerdrome when the difficulty really starts to amp up. The way in which the difficulty amped up was in a way that I don't love because it felt a little yep. bit more messy as opposed to design difficulty. And I think a lot of that comes down to the the stickiness of the way in which enemies lock onto you. And now you are stuck uh, doing uh, dodge roll after dodge roll. And then like, you know, trying to aim at the enemies and like take them out while doing dodge rolls while trying to, trying to do tricks. I feel like it got messy in the, in the second half in a way that could be really refined in the sequel. And, but I do think that the, the core mechanics and the core gameplay of Rollerdrome is so good um, that I think it would be a shame if they didn't follow up on it and really went hard with the sequel, right? Like, I want to see even more story. I want to see uh, even bigger arenas. I want to see more interesting objectives. I think in virtually every part of um, Rollerdrome, there's room for improvement that can make it into a really special game, even though the first one, or even though this one, the current Rollerdrome, is, <laughs> even though it is really fun, even though I would I would consider it um, uh, somewhat excellent, I think there's, um, you know, I, th I think they can go way further with it. And so, uh, yeah, I would love to see a sequel for Rollerdrome. Keegan Green writes in to kindoffunny.com slash P-S-I-L-Y, just like you can, and says, best accessibility in a PlayStation game. Now, of course, a whole bunch of PlayStation games this year roll out a bevy, a suite of accessibility options. And we've talked about them here and there, but whenever we actually want to have an in-depth conversation, we reach out to one man, Steve Saylor, the blind gamer. Uh, so I hit up Steve and I said, hey, Steve, you get this category all to yourself, the best accessibility in a PlayStation game. And here's what he had to say. Hi, guys. Uh, Steve Saylor here. Uh, thanks so much for allowing me to be able to uh, do this. This is one of those times where you get a message from Greg Miller asking you to do a thing. So you slap on a suit to look pretty and you talk about accessibility on PlayStation for the PSI Love You uh, Video Game Awards. I don't know what you're calling it. Could be that. Could not be. Whatever. Anyway, I'm gonna actually going to break the rules because I was asked to talk about the most accessible game on PlayStation for 2022. I'm actually going to do two categories. That's right. I'm doing two because I wanted to talk about one game in particular. I'm actually going to give uh, the award for the most improved accessibility on PlayStation. I'm going to give it to... Arcane's Deathloop. This year, we actually received a, a quite a few updates on games uh, that we've played before that haven't had a lot of accessibility built in when they first launched. And I want to give that award to Deathloop because when it first came out, it was a game that was had some accessibility, but not a lot. But this year they were able to release a massive update um, that actually made it a lot more accessible for disabled players to be able to play, including myself. I've now been able to complete Deathloop and I absolutely love it. Uh, and I totally understand the reasons why everyone loved it when it first came out. Now I actually been able to get it so that yes, we're like, we're this is, this is now a, an accessible game that I recommend. Now, as far as the most accessible game for 20, 
2022 on PlayStation, this was tough because there are obviously two games that basically could be talked about. We've got The Last of Us Part 1 Remake and God of War Ragnarok. Now, Last of Us Part 1 Remake had a lot of accessibility that was put over from Last of Us Part 2, and it basically made it so that anyone who has never been able to play The Last of Us 1 before due to uh, uh, some lack of accessibility somewhere, now they're able to play it and have a seamless experience from going from Part 1 into The Last of Us Part 2. Um, and then you have God of War Ragnarok, which is an improvement over the 2018 version. When I remember, I actually reviewed the 2018 version of God of War for accessibility, and it wasn't great. There was a lot of improvements that I'd hoped would be able to happen in some uh, update uh, later on, but it never really did happen. Lo and behold, they actually were just basically focusing on Ragnarok and improving a lot of the accessibility. Now, a lot of people will look at God of War Ragnarok and see that they were able to copy a lot of Last of Us 2 accessibility and integrate that into God of War Ragnarok. And that's not the case. They were actually were able to take the 2018 engine and really like break it down and in some cases build it up from scratch just to be able to add accessibility into God of War, but still keeping it familiar for those who have are, played the game previously. So with that in mind, I, I, like I, it was hard for me to be able to kind of to kind of decide between the two um, because they're like they're so good. But in the end, I have to give it to God of War Ragnarok. Reason why, reason why that one over The Last of Us Part 1 remake is I feel that there was some things that they were able to do that surpassed what Naughty Dog uh, did for The Last of Us series. Um, and But not to say that there are definitely th uh, areas of improvement. They both have uh, areas of improvement. Um, but I think in regards to creating a whole experience, uh, not only just in uh, in a storyline setting, but also in a, in a first time for a long time, uh, at least make an almost open world accessible to disabled players we that is actually kind of rare um only ubisoft has been able to try like been able to attempt to be able to make an open world uh accessible and even then they still have yet to be able to reach what god of war ragnarok was able to do so for the most accessible or the best accessible game of 2022 on playstation i'm giving it to god of war ragnarok thanks y'all for allowing me to do this have fun and uh you know yeah Looking forward to be able to watch this thing when it goes live. Yay. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye, Steve. Thank you so much, of course, for that doing that. That was adorable. That. It's amazing. Well, again, like Steve legitimately, I just texted him this morning and I was like, what are you doing right now? He's like, I just finished filming something. What's up? I'm like, I need you to, if you want to take this as long as you want. And I didn't even tell him to put on the suit coat. He just knew to do it. And I was like, oh, wow. That's a pro right there. That's a this pro. This is right next, there. next level of content from Steve. It's too bad we got to throw out his picks because he called God of War an open world. No, what did he call it? No, he, he called said it almost, almost open world. I just, I just slapped y'all about that. Which, I'm like, right. not open world confirmed. Kind of a Metroidvania. That's what we said about the first one, I think. And like, Thank you, Steve. Everybody keep up with Steve's work over at Steve Sailor on Twitter or stevesailor.net to see what the blind gamer Steve Sailor is all about and what he is up to as he continues to push accessibility. And congratulations to both Deathloop and God of War Ragnarok then. I like the Deathloop nod. They're like, hey, you might not have been Same. paying attention. They did all this cool stuff. I'm like, I did, I did not notice that. Thank you very much, Steve. Sir? Hog a lot. I've been, I've been switching it up as I go, but I feel like yeah, the, I saw that. I feel like the change. Some of the well, before you said sir, wang a lot. Well, it's like I, at one point I think he spelled it differently, or they, maybe it's I don't think he did. Maybe I was, it's a different <laughs> sir because you said it. When I was I'm drinking it. lemon clouds from across the fucking street. All right, whatever I say is whatever his goddamn name is. Anyways.
Sir Hogalot. Best gaming moment slash scene. This is a tough one. This, this should have just been like best God of War moment, I feel like, as a category. That's the one I picked. Uh, no spoilers. I picked the one before the battle. The one the night before the battle. If you've played if you know, you know. Mm-hmm. Janet, what'd you pick? No spoilers. I picked uh the which I've nodded to before, the very beautiful scene where it's like so beautiful, almost moved to tears. You'll know it when you get there. I don't think you can confuse it with anything once you beat it. Okay. I'm trying to think of what it is. There's so I, many beautiful I, I, I scenes. Think, uh, is it the one I quote all the time? I don't think so, but I'm is not it, hanging out with you. Is it the, the one with so. the very bombastic music at the like near the very, very end of that game? Maybe. Okay. It's a thing. I mean, if you you know, you're Mine there is... and you you're, you meet somebody, and uh, then you're like, this is a person. Uh, Maybe. Yeah, you know, and then you keep okay. going, you keep playing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, mine would uh, shout out is uh, the scene uh, that you go to after the kind of like half credits, and it's the scene right before okay. the, the full credits. Okay. Uh, I tweeted about that this morning because I've been listening to the Ragnarok soundtrack and the music that they made. I feel like specifically for that scene that calls back to the kind of Svartalheim, uh music in general um, is very beautiful and very heartbreaking whereas the Svartalheim music is very whimsical and fun and then the way that they're able to kind of recontextualize that for um a very somber scene before the full credits play um it's it's very beautiful and just kind of the the last thing that's said in that game really just kind of puts a a pit in your in your heart I, I wanted to do something non God of War because right. I knew there was gonna be a lot of God of War in this category. Um, but it was kind of it's been tough to narrow down because like part of me, part of me wants to shout out the moment in Dying Light Two where partway through, <laughs> halfway halfway through that game, there's like a villain turn. There's like a twist. I remember you went, oh shit! Yeah, like I recorded my oh my, my god that, that I recorded was the, the video. Vi- we should have. For next year, we should do like best PlayStation message you received because like I only message you guys. And yeah, like Blessing sent me over that video and it's like one of my favorite videos. And when Isaiah got to that part, I was like, he had a similar reaction. And I was like, here's the video of Blessing. Because it comes out of nowhere and like it's so hyped for a game that ultimately isn't that hyped. But like it happens, and I'm like, so good. I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now? And I'm like, going, oh shit, oh shit. Uh, so shout out to that moment in Dying Light Two. I don't think that's my ultimate choice, but like as a, you know, as a less like overstated one, right? Like as one that w- was very, I would describe it as a special moment because I wasn't expecting it. And this is like not story sto- spoilers for Horizon uh, Forbidden West, but like gameplay moment spoilers i guess uh of course you have the cauldrons that you explore in that game right and each cauldron is like in the cauldrons there that's where they're developing the different machines uh somewhere later on in the game you you find a tall neck cauldron and first getting there i was like oh shit oh this is the moment this is from dying light 2 God. That's it. Yeah, that was. Oh my God, someone in games media enjoying a game. That's fucking crazy. And that was me not even realizing my microphone was on. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. I, I saved the video, went back and watched it, and I was like, hell yeah, my mic's on. All right, I got everything. Even better. God, shout out to Dying Light too. Um, but uh, where was I? oh Tall Nick Cauldron in Horizon, right? Like sure. first getting in there, I was sure. like, oh shit, all right, this is really cool as hell. But then at the moment you you finish that cauldron, and there is this moment of like 
<laughs> rising out of the cauldron on the tall neck. Yeah. Oh my god, that was like the moment of the game for me where I was like, dude, they did the damn thing. This is exactly what I want out of an open world game that like has these different, um, uh, you know, things to explore, has these different areas, have has these tall necks to climb. Moments where it is, all right, now let's get unconventional with it. Let's combine a tall neck with a cauldron and have it be the special moment of you figuring out what to do and boom, like you unlock part of the map. That I thought was super fun. What did you hate? What uh, Eric wants to know, what was your biggest disappointment, Bless? Uh, for me, probably Dark Pictures, Devil in Me. I had oh. such high hopes for, for Devil in Me. Only two points in Fantasy Critic on that one. It was rough. <laughs> Are you, were you disappointed because of the Fantasy Critic, or did you try it out? No, <laughs> I was disappointed because of the Fantasy Critic. I haven't tried it, but I will still play through all of it because I'm sick. Uh, but yeah, like that was a you know, Dark Pictures is a is a franchise. I think all of us here are super into, right? You like the super massive games, and Devil and Me. I think so far has been the most disappointing one out of all of the wow. super massive releases. And that's not even. And the worst part is, it's not even a story problem. It's not even a writing problem. It's not about the characters. Like it is just how badly the game runs and performs, especially when you're playing it in co-op and like the bugs and it feels rushed. You know, like a lot of the gameplay stuff in uh, Devil and Me just doesn't hit in the way that in previous Dark Pictures games. They've at least either been like good or good enough, right? Man of Madon was like fine. Uh, I didn't like Man of Madon. Oh, you didn't like it? No. Nah, yeah. For me, I thought it was like fine, right? And like the little hope, the one that came after it was like I thought it was fine. And then um, mm-hmm. House of Ashes was like, oh man, okay, this is good. Like I really enjoy yeah. this. And then you get Quarry, and it's like, okay, cool. This is super massive. We like Devil and Me. I think is legitimately just not a good game. Um, which bums me out because I look forward to every single thing they do. Um, so yeah, that's my pick. Janet, what were your disappointments? So I know many there's multiple here. I know there's, you're like me, where you wrote a million. <laughs> yeah. Well, I decided I'm like, if we're just you know laying it all out mm. there for a second, why not? When, but, I, when um, I list all of mine, it's there because I wanted it to be like I'm gonna make a choice in them. Looking moment. at Janet's list, there's one okay, that I actually I, should have said that I've listed an, is one as my number one. So I'm gonna okay. go with Gotham Knights as my number one disappointment. Sure. Um, I think because it. Uh, I think there was a lot of writing on it in terms of people really wanting the game to be good because of the IP association. Um, for me, having spent my preview time with it, which I did the preview for kind of funny, I was like, this can kind of go either way, but I don't know which way it's going to go. Maybe it'll shake out all right. And then getting the hand on the final build and realizing that it did not shake out all right. And then going further and being like, this is actively pretty bad. And then and then seeing that through, which again, that was my choice to see it through. I just kind of want to finish it. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think it was of the games that I thought of for disappointments. I think it is the wor- probably the worst game that's on the list of my disappointments, which includes stuff like We Are OK, Callista, Protocol, Saints Row. Like it just, it's so rough in so many ways. Um, and and it, and it's like, it's drawn out. Like there's so many problems with it. Um, yeah, it was it was it was pretty disappointing. And I feel like too the added disappointment comes from the people around me in my life wanting it to be good and then it just failing then. You know, sure. people like Barrett, people like Isaiah. Like it's like there was there is so much kind of riding on it in a way, um, out of in terms of excitement. So for it to not only miss the mark, but be, I think in a lot of ways actively bad is mm. what's rough to me. Because plenty of games are kind of like middling or whatever. Sure. But yeah, Gotham Knights is is real rough. Um, so that's my biggest disappointment. Surprisingly, not my biggest biggest disappointment of the year. Ooh, what was yours? I want to know yours. Uh, nobody sa- uh, saves the world. Huh? Y'all are crazy. Y'all are wild. Oh my I, god! I know no. the I know the folks it's at so Min Max love it. Uh, it, it. It's one of those things where it's just me and Ben. <laughs> um, I <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I wanted something else from that dev, and that's like a very just like selfish thing. Uh, I, I think they make a really, a really great Metroidvania, and uh, that's not what that game was. And that was just like a kind of like a oh man, I'm really not in the mood for a dungeon crawler type of thing, and that that, that really bumped me out. Um, I think that game mainly it, had like a progression problem for me, where yeah. Yeah, you progress in that game by basically doing like achievement style uh, challenges yeah, where yeah, it's like yeah, use yeah. this ability this many Five times. times. Yeah, yeah, use this yeah. ability. So like it wants you to use all the different characters and abilities, but then I think that takes out so much of the player agency of getting to choose like, oh, I actually want to play as the slug and do this thing. Um, and I, at a certain point, I just got annoyed by having to play as a horse and not being able to do the horse thing I wanted to do. <laughs> uh, and it reveals the... new combos and opportunities to mm, me, mm. like that forced like achievement style. I also played it co-op, so maybe that's another reason that like i might have a different opinion like i played with isaiah and it was awesome like mm. and the yeah. co-op does help and the the, the mm. reason why gotham knights would probably be uh number two or three is just because i i feel like the closer we got to it the the lower my expectations started to become especially mm. on the the gameplay side of it when they really started showing gameplay last year i was like all right it'll probably be a very uh uh, middling open world, kind of like Arkham Origins, hopefully with a great story. And uh, so it was really just the disappointment. Good emails. Story. Interesting emails that would have been really interesting to implement into the main story, Greg. I agree. Uh, I had blanked out Saints Row out of my memory, like a traumatic experience. Sure. Um, that is actually my number one. I, I, at least Dark Pictures, Devil in Me, I plan to finish. Saints Row was a game that I, you know, I love Volition. I like to say I like Saints Row a lot, right? I love Red Faction. I love the games that they, that they put out. And Saints Row was one where I was like, please be good. Like, I, like, I, I'm looking forward to this. If this hits, you know, like, I, th- I, I, like, I, I, if it hits, I'm going to love it. Right. And for the things that they were showing, I was like, this open world looks like it could be fun. Right. I like the style of open world. It is. We don't get that many open world city games anymore. And then getting my hands on Saints Row is just, man, they just dropped the ball in every single way they could. Uh, and so, yeah, that's my actual number one. Thanks for reminding me of that, of that Janet. Thanks, I Janet. You. Uh, I listed a whole bunch of stuff, but in the moment I knew I would pick one, and I'm going to go with uh, We Are OFK. Hell yes, because this pained me too. What do you got to say? I mean, it's, you know, we're the same person, so it's the same thing, but like, you know, in the build up to what this thing was going to be, I totally kind of ignored it. And then it was, we got close, and there was that trailer, and I was like, wait. And then I, they had the single out, and I loved the single and played that on repeat for like a week. And I was like, yes, let's go. Let's be a Bane. Let's go. And like, to start that game and the visual style of the game and the idea of the game and. The premise of, you know, these, for the most part, game developers are, like, leaving their jobs and they want to do this band thing. And it was like, this seems like it's going to be awesome. And, again, for we're talking about story and gameplay at the very top of this. Like, this game is not a game, right, in so many different ways. Like, there isn't, like, you're playing and doing stuff on sticks. You're just making choices, and those choices really aren't even influencing the story. You're being told the story. But it had everything except compelling characters that were making logical conclusions. And it was five episodes that... The first, I would say, episode one could have been fine, and then episodes two, three, and four should have all been episode two, and then we should have gone to episode five, or episode five's three, and then we get two more after there of where we're going. We just got bogged down in these characters that the more I found out about them, the less compelling they were, because they weren't, not everybody, but for the most part, I felt like these are people making illogical decisions, and they're all kind of dirtbaggy, and I understand when you're young and single and trying to figure out your life, you're going to make bad choices. We all have, but it was just like, there's a specific thing where I was like, why the fuck would you do this? I don't believe this character that you've established that I actually do enjoy up until this point would make this decision. And it feels like you're only doing this to move it on. So like, so it's super sucked to get to the end of it even. And like roll credits and be like, 
See, I like when you're leaving this. <laughs> like, I like that we got here. We should have got here at episode three. We should have gotten there to then see what happens next and next. But we didn't get that instead. But the music's good. The visual styles are cool. It was a whole bunch of shit that I should have loved. And it was just it did not work together and because of mainly how they were writing up that story. And that sucked. I like the I will say, I appreciate that. Yeah, the text messages were well written. Um, the Every year there's a random indie game that me and Greg play and then don't like but enjoy talking to each other about it because no one else is going to yeah. play it nor yeah. do we recommend it because we end up not liking it um this year was we are okay i think last year was uh where the heart leads yep that's i think would be our, our, our yeah. one um i'm excited for what next year is uh how will i be broken in new ways what was that one game that was like Death space game Yes. Death of Far Shore. Yes. Yeah. Far yes. Mm -hmm. yeah yes. We fucking hate Damn. that game. <laughs> I didn't but explain we didn't, it. We didn't finish that. For, like, the thing is, me and Greg have to finish it for it to fall into this. You okay. know what I mean? Fair enough. Yeah. We're actually power through. We're like, I'm come, I've come too far. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. OFK was like a special brand of dissertation from you where I was like, I don't like it. And you're like, I don't know why. And then I went to bed and I woke up and I had like 17 text messages from Janet and they were yeah. all novels about it. Mm -hmm. Love it. But speaking of next year, let's not talk about what we'll hate next year. Jordan Deeb says the most anticipated 2023 PlayStation release. Or I'm sorry, PlayStation exclusive. And for me, it's a no-brainer. Uh, Spider-Man 2 from Insomniac. Yeah, yeah, same. You got Venom. We got shirtless Miles Morales. We got shirtless Spider-Man. No, I guess we just have Spider-Man and Miles Morales. Unless Insomniac's not a bunch of cowards. Uh, coward. To see their continuation of both Pete's story, Miles' story, add in Venom. See what they're going to do with uh, Harry Osborn. Uh, I can't wait to get back into that world and get a gigantic spider-man story uh, what are the chances that because this is going up on friday the yep. day after the game awards what are the oh! chances that by the time this goes up your answer's oh! already changed you know what i don't know because we're doing the games cap after this game cap after this game and I'm, gonna get a, <laughs> I'm, I'm, maybe i'll have another uh, <laughs> lemon cloud and we'll see what i come up with but i do have spider-man predictions on my uh, predictions sheet there for game awards man if god shines down on me and last was factions finally gets fully revealed for 2023 let me tell you that'll be my answer yeah Janet, you said uh, Spider-Man 2 as well. Yeah, um, I brought out, I had Isaiah, uh, shout out to Isaiah in the chat, bring me uh, our Spider-Man Squishmallow, which admittedly, when I first saw this thing, I was like, it's kind of horrifying. Uh, warmed up to it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think just from hype, having liked the previous games, uh, or, you know, game, if you want to just only count Spider-Man, was it 2018? Was that the year? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, sure. 2018. Um, yeah, I like what they're doing. Uh, that's also one where I'm waiting for them to, like, can they break past the stratosphere they've created for themselves of being an eight or nine level game and get into that next level? Um, and the thing is, even if they don't, I think I'm still gonna have a fun time. Like I like the construction of those games. And I think even if they don't end up innovating in, in big ways or making it more dynamic, it'll take a while for me to be sick of that style because sure. it just feels so good to like swing around and hang out. And the construction feels very like, familiar and cozy again i do think there's limitations in that because it's so like go here beat these people up grab this but i think they do a lot of like playful things with storytelling and again integrating that with the gameplay in terms of you know if we're thinking of miles morales just to kind of lump those in as a kind of a group right um there was like the what was it the not memories but the time capsule pieces and things like that so i'm excited yeah. to see yeah what ways they're going to pull in storytelling to that kind of collect-a-thon that they sort of established. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited for it. Blessing, you have to be different, so I'm sure it's not Spider-Man 2, especially because you hated Miles Morales, but go ahead. 
uh, so Spider-Man 2 was like tied for my number one, mm-hmm. but I did want to add variety, so we didn't all okay. sound, sound okay. like robots up here. Uh, and so, <laughs> uh, so homogenous, kind so of homogenous. funny. Uh, I'm going Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, even oh. though like part of me is like that's not even going to come out next year. I'll, I'm sure that'll get delayed or not officially announced for 2023. Hey, Crisis Core hit the actually hit this winter, that so next true. winter, yeah. man. That's that's like the one thing, one sliver of hope that I have is the fact that yeah, Crisis Core actually hit 2022. But also, so, all they said was next winter. Does that mean at the end of next year? the beginning of the year afterwards well who knows who knows Good but point. for now i'm choosing because the crisis course timing i'm choosing to believe 2023 until they uh, disappoint me but yeah i think for me final fantasy and rebirth and spider-man 2 are like you know of the same tier of oh man i'm so excited for both, both these games right and final sure. fantasy 7 i <clears throat> rebirth even though it's a sequel to uh final fantasy 7 remake um i think it's i think what excites me is that for me it feels like a more unknown uh qu- quantity right sure. where spider-man 2 I'm looking forward to hanging out with Venom. I'm looking forward to like all the stuff. Yo, that, Eddie, let's get a burger. Yeah. Like I'm looking forward to doing all the Spider-Man shit that I've been doing for the last two decades. Right. Like I'm looking forward to it in that sense. And the fact that like, I love Spider, I love playing, uh, playing Spider-Man games. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. I've like, I just have this weird relationship with Final Fantasy, uh, Final Fantasy VII where I've only played that game up to a point. Right. Like when Final Fantasy VII Remake came out, I went back, picked up the, the old game, the remastered game on PS4 and played like 15 to 20 hours and got up to like I can't remember where I stopped but like I got up to a certain point I like I really want to see how the game um uh interpret how Rebirth interprets that stuff how Rebirth like maybe opens up and possibly goes open world because of the nature of Final Fantasy 7 I have so many questions in terms of how they tackle it and then also where they go in story because now we know that like even though it's a remake it's not all the way remake, right? Like there is the there are these. It's weird not all things. the way remake. Yeah, like there are these weird things that are happening in the in the world of Final Fantasy VII, and so there's so many questions to it, and it feels like such an unknown quantity, and so yeah, I think for me, I'm putting that as my my most anticipated. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, that is your third annual PS I Love You XOXO PlayStation Awards. Thank you, of course, for watching and supporting us for another year. Of course, sound off in the comments on YouTube to tell us, hey. This is what I think should have won. This is what I'm excited for in 2023. If you're a podcast listener driving a car, roll down your window, scream it outside. And then hopefully somebody else hears that they scream it. And it's like 101 Dalmatians. And I eventually hear what you were trying to say. It'll be great. Uh, Remember, one more episode of PSI Love You XOXO before our holiday break. So write in to kindoffunny.com slash PSILY for free and tell us all about your playstation 2023 predictions and what happened on that game awards that we don't know yet but by the time you see this you should have known unless you're a trog right now watching live getting ready for gamescast i digress if you want to be one of those trogs and you'd like to watch the gamescast live ps i love you live the kind of funny podcast live screencast live you name it live you should go to patreon.com slash kind of funny over there of course you can watch each and every one of our podcasts record live ad free and of course you get 38 episodes of bonus content a month it's fantastic it's exclusive and it's all on patreon.com slash kind of funny however if you have no books tossed our way no big deal each and every episode of ps i love you xo xo post on fridays youtube.com slash kind of funny games podcast services around the globe no matter where you get the show please consider like subscribe share leave a review do all that jazz and until next time no it's been our pleasure to serve you